Hey, Paratopia, it's Jeff Ritzman here. Jeremy is down with a tornado. And uh, I'm here with Lee Townsend, who was uh, my first research partner many years ago. And I know that uh, I've mentioned him a lot on the show. And so I asked Lee when we reconnected, what, a couple of months ago? It was several months ago, yeah. yeah. Uh, If he wanted to do this and come on the show and... I wanted to have Jeremy here for this, but due to the tornado ripping through Queens, um, Thursday morning, early Friday, I think it was, or late Friday. Or, uh, at any rate, he's out of commission, and so uh, Lee was scheduled to do this, and rather than disappoint, uh, we decided to go ahead and do it anyway. So anyway, thanks for coming on, Lee. Jeff, thanks so much. I've been, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy to... Uh to be able to make the scene here, uh, yeah. I only I do regret not being able to uh, hook up with Jeremy on this, but uh, well, we'll things, have you back on. Oh, one, well, lovely. Well, I mean, we'll have you back on because I don't Wonderful. think we're going to be able to cover everything in an hour and a half. <laughs> no, 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 we, we can. I mean, we can go through some stuff. I'll tell you. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to tell people how we met because that's like I know Jeremy would ask like, how did you ever meet Jeff? And I think we're safe in saying that. I used to own a graphic shop mm-hmm. um, some years ago, and in the course of doing graphic work, I ended up doing some T-shirts for some national bands, and one of the guys that I met was a guy named Don who owned a shop where I did some of this work. Right. Don and, Don and I were roommates. Exactly. At the time. Sure. And uh, and so I went in uh, to Don's one day to talk about doing uh, some shirts, mm-hmm. and I we had done a lot of work together, and he got to know me pretty well. And he's like, "Dude, what's the matter with you?" Mm. <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean?" Mm-hmm. He's like, "You look a little stressed out." I said, "Dude, can I confide in you?" You know, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah." And and so I told him what had happened uh, mm-hmm. recently, which was, and everybody in the audience will know the story when I say about me and my wife, the truck, and the red lit disc that we saw north of here. And um, and what ensued from that. So I laid that story out for Don. I said, I know you think I'm crazy. And Don says, no. No, I don't. <laughs> because I've had right. that kind of scenario. Right. Um, and he told me his scenario. And, uh, and, and he says, I know somebody that would love to talk to you. And that was Lee. And so I called Lee, and we started talking, and everything kind of, like, rolled on from there, I think. I mean, you had – I had been into it for a while. You had been into it for a while. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of got together and ended up um, not only investigating each other's stuff, but also uh, kind of facilitating the experience or support group with Exler Maccabee and Phillips, I think his name That's was. Right. Doing some – I guess rudimentary field field stuff for for Bruce at one point mm-hmm. in up in around Fort Meade, and uh, uh, and doing a lot of sky watching a whole lot. up at that place uh, and racking up some miles too because we we went to a pine bush together several times and uh, and we've had Phil and Brogno on the show before where I talked to him about what we saw there right he said not uncommon. Which, by the way, the gold light around the mountain, mm-hmm. the ball of smoke beside the road that I wouldn't stop for. All the time. The, 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 uh, the, uh, uh, the, well, uh, the weird the, animal behind the... Uh, weird animal. I, I had a zigzagging meteorite. Yeah. A meteor, rather. Not yeah. meteorite, but a zigzagging yeah. meteor. I mean, all of that, he said, yeah, mm-hmm. not uncommon and totally t- typical for that area. And mm-hmm. where we saw it, which was at that convenience store on the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but anyway, we ended up doing all this. Uh, we got together and, uh, uh, and, and we actually, I don't think it was too long after that, that the support group thing came up and we started going to that. I haven't talked a lot about that on the show. But yeah, I, and out of respect for those that are involved, uh, uh, I, I think we should keep that to a minimum. Sure. We can uh, go over it. Yeah, you know, just, just touch there. here and there. But right. how did you get into this subject at all from the get-go? Well, I mean, I had always been interested in in the phenomenon, uh, you know, as, as a kid growing up in the 60s, uh, and all the, uh, the science fiction movies and things like that. So I always had a keen... Eye and ear toward it, and um, uh, through the years, I'd always had here and there, not on any regular basis, but some pretty odd, inexplicable events occur in my personal life. And um, uh, I was at one point; it was right around 1988, I believe. I was uh, just happened to be downtown on a night off and I was walking, uh, just walking the streets basically, um, looking for something to do. I came to, uh, upon a bookstore that had a coffee shop in there. I was mm-hmm. going to go in and grab a cup of coffee. And, right. and, and as I'm walking through the bookstore, I see this book on the shelf as many people have, have been really drawn to this phenomenon, um, or to the, to this explanation of the phenomenon. Uh, I saw the communion, Whitley Streeter's wow. communion, yeah. and I saw that creature that on face. The, that face. Oh, that face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, it really resonated with me at that point, and it struck me mm-hmm. why I don't know, how I don't know, but I instantly picked the book up, forgot about the cup of coffee, took the book, went, bought it, paid for it, went home, and read it that night. Mm. And became engrossed with the phenomenon. I mean, I'd always peripherally been interested uh, you know, and like from sixth grade, you mm-hmm. know, we, we, you know, get the, the cool, the cool, like science nerds and oh, yeah. class would, <laughs> would go to the library anytime a UFO book came out or something like right. that. We, you know, we, we ingested as much a project blue book as we could you right. know, at the time. So we knew that so we believed that something was going on. So mm-hmm. it always had a kind of a passing interest in it. But uh, when it came down to personal experiences and seeing people who have had course i followed the barney and betty hill thing the exeter you know uh, mm-hmm. um a case through look, look magazine and all that a lot of stuff that was going on in that time there yeah. was there was a, there was a whole lot of activity at that time mm-hmm. but what fascinated me was the uh notion of contact yeah so like and, and i think like a lot of naive people that first get into it i'm sitting there reading and i was like wow i've had a lot of this stuff happen to me and i start like looking into it and start regressing, and you start you start cataloging. You go back in your mind and you start cataloging. Well, this happened and that was weird. You know, I had an incident occur when I was eight years old. I had an incident occur uh, that I uh, that I'm aware of an actual uh, an actual sighting incident that occurred in 1973 mm-hmm. that was attendant with a period of missing time, hmm. and. Um, and uh, it, it it just fascinated me at this where, point. Where was that? Can you detail that? That was uh, sure. Um, you know, I can give the war stories about it. And, yeah, and yeah. As much as I can remember, right? You know, um, this is the thing. I I, I was working in uh, Columbia, Maryland at the time. I was on my way home. It was actually, I believe, the anniversary is today, nineteen seventy. Really? Yeah. 
this is the day. Cause nice. Right around that third week of September in uh, in uh, 1973. Okay. Uh, I was driving home from work. Uh, I was coming up to Route 29 at, the, at that particular time. There was a traffic light inter- light intersection. Mm-hmm. And I'm driving up to the intersection, and I see a light, a red light in the sky passing from right to left. I said, okay, this is cool airplane, right? Yeah, UWI. Just kind of, right, right near the airport, right right in the approach uh, area and the uh, holding area of the airport. Um, So I figure it's an airplane traveling at a nice, leisurely, slow pace, and then all of a sudden it just, as it comes in, Roughly in front of my field of vision, thing speeds up to incredible speeds and splits into three separate lights. One mm. light goes up and disappears. One light continues going over the horizon and mm. goes away, and another light goes down. Mm. And I'm go, hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go follow chase chase this one. <laughs> I must have been out of my mind. Right? But, yeah. But I go to uh, to chase this one that went down, and I went back. The road that leads to Howard High School at the time, it's a, it's a couple of roads up um, uh, from my exit uh, where, where I got onto the highway. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I made a right off of the highway, and I'm driving back, and I'm looking in the sky. It's all tree-lined on either side of the road, so I don't have much sky view at that point. And I'm, like, plugging along, not really noticing at the time. I'm, like, the only guy on the road. Mm. I think it was, like, a Tuesday night. About eight thirty at night. Yeah. Okay, and I'm so I'm driving along, and I come around the bend, and this is at a point where there's a high school there, Howard High School. Uh, I come around the bend to see Howard High School come into view. Directly behind Howard High School is a huge water tower. Okay. Okay, so I come around there and I look, and above the water tower, directly above the water tower, is a red light. Mm-hmm. No, not the red light that you see that's on top of every water tower. Right. You know, in the yeah. world. This thing was huh, huge. It was about, okay. it was one solid red light about almost the size of the tower. With? Of the tower. Okay. My next recollection is, holy crap, I hit the brakes. My next recollection, and I say that very specifically, mm-hmm. I turn the car around, go speeding to the... Uh, nearest uh, police department, which I believe was in Ellicott City at the time. Mm-hmm. I went to the Ellicott City Police Department. I said, have you had any reports of UFOs in the area? Guy looked at me like I was had three heads. And <laughs> That's he said, it, yeah. Right, right. And he, he said no. Little realizing at that point in time it was 1030 at night. Oh. And okay. uh, I was recently sharing this story with, uh, with uh, another friend of mine and um, I have two little flashes of of memory, and one is at some point being in my car directly right next in, on the little access road directly next to the tower. Okay. And another one, which is really weird, of being in my car face-to-face with this little guy that I saw on the cover of Communion okay. or something like that. Yeah, something similar. I mean, And I mean... Literally face to face. Right. I mean, like an inch away, face to face. They have a tendency to do that. Come right <laughs> over my right shoulder, and this is why you know I've been discussing with several people lately. Lately, 
I've always had a pretty bad startle response, and I think it's oh. attributable to that. Oh, okay. The fact, and particularly something coming around my right side, my, and it's really weird. I turn hmm. around and look, and there's this, and then I fall into something, and I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's one really um, uh, striking incident, and I have gone and uh, seen some uh, people who have done this regression therapy. Right. And how did uh, you find that? Um, one was through. Uh, uh, what, do you, what do you mean? How did I find it? Like, how did, how you, did I how, locate them? How or? did you? How did you? Um, how did you find the Are you results? Doing a Dr. Of, Phil on me now. No, I, we just we hate you. regression on this show. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, well, and I mean, it's, and I've come yeah. to that point as well. Yeah, because it's it's. Um, and, and we'll get into that. It's really more about uh, beliefs, and, yeah, and and uh, where your mind is at than maybe any kind of right. real objective reality that right. ever gets uh, recovered. I can only tell you, and I can only share these experiences, telling you that I don't know what the hell happened. Right. I know something occurred, right? And, and and I'll say that as a as a precursor to any of these incidents that I'll share with you. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but I know that something happened. What happened? I don't know. Yeah. To the say, I don't you know. You sound like me. Yeah. Well, yeah. hey, you know, yeah. I think it's a fairly, fairly common thread. And those yeah. who are involved in this uh, phenomenon, in this type field, in any kind of paranormal thing, is it, the, the only real constancy is the extreme degree of strangeness with yeah. everything that's involved. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had uh, several incidents. You and I have had numerous events. Yeah. And I think when we get together, it's like... It's almost like when you when you put magnets together, that right. it increases the magnetic strength of something, <laughs> right, and, right. and and you attract more of the crap. But yeah. um, uh, I, I had another incident that that was really it incurred um, while we were. I think it was while we were were working really? together. Um, I was uh, doing a job in Ocean City, Maryland, mm-hmm. one evening. And had to make the long trek back home to be to another job in the morning back in the Baltimore area. Right. And um, it was probably about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. And I'm driving from uh, Ocean City. And I usually take the back road route. You, you're you're familiar with that road, that trip from Ocean City to somewhere. Yeah, I mean, you got like somewhere. a, a three-hour <laughs> three drive, basically, to get back. Mm-hmm. And, and you can go... Over the Bay Bridge, right. which people who've listened to this show know my experience with the Bay Bridge yes. and coming home yeah. and ending up in the southern tip of Ohio. Right. Right. Uh, but you can also go around country, which takes you up through Delaware. It's called They call it the Delaware Route well, or something at like that. that. Point, on that particular occasion, I was not going up around the, uh, around the Horn of Delaware uh, right. up, up uh, through into the top northeastern section of Maryland. I was actually going to the Bay Bridge, but rather than take the... The well blazed Route 50 route, you know, the oh, okay. four lane divided highway. Roads. I took the back roads, okay, uh, trying to you know make a little bit better time. That yeah, kind of thing. two lane highway 404. Okay, is, is the road. Okay, and I'm actually coming up. It's a very clear night. Mm-hmm. Driving along, driving along. Um, I get to a point about a mile or two from the Maryland line on the Delaware side, and all of a sudden I'm engulfed in this huge fog bank. Hmm. And I mean pea soup fog, where okay. you, you can see nothing whatever. And I don't know if I ever even related this story to you, Jeff. Mm-mm. And and 
you know, we talk about screen memories and that kind of thing. And yeah. Clouded, clouded memories, uh, no pun intended, with the fog bank. Right. <laughs> I think it's it's quite frequently. Metaphorical. Be, yeah. Yeah. It's a little, <laughs> maybe even a little more than metaphorical. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enter this fog bank and I'm like, well, I better slow down. So I really slow my car down to a crawl because literally you cannot see. I mean, visibility is maybe 30 feet in front of the car. Jesus. Okay. It was a Thick fog, about the thickest fog I've ever driven in. At least that's what it appeared to be. Okay. Um, I'm driving along, and I'm just a few moments into this fog bank, and then I'm startled by a big bird that just appears out of nowhere in hmm. front of my car and flies up in front of my windshield, hmm. up and over my car. Hmm. I see wingspans. I see a big, and I mean the wing wingspan. Of course, I was driving a Chevy Geo at the time, is you know, right. So it wasn't that wide a car, but the wing, wingspan took car. about, yeah, yeah. A little three cylinder, yeah, Suzuki motor in right. it, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, this thing would uh, it just it just appeared, flew over my car. The wingspan was about the width of the car. Wow. I mean, it was a huge bird. Right. First thought, okay, it's a turkey. You know, okay, logical <laughs> for that area. Yeah, I continue on. Hit the Maryland line. This is my recollection, conscious okay. recollection. Mm-hmm. Hit the Maryland line to get about half mile, quarter mile, half mile over the Maryland line. Still in the fog bank. Mm-hmm. Another bird flies up, but almost like a repeat. Huh? And then the the fog is over, and I continue on my merry way. Huh. Didn't notice. Didn't note the time. Didn't notice any missing time. However, I have a recollection a little thing sticking in my mind of seeing to the left off the highway maybe 200 feet and i it was uh there was a, a fall line of trees and then like a some kind of farmer's field or something yeah. like that probably a cornfield cuz all it was all down at that time um and i remember seeing like a a, a row of lights little oh, lights okay Okay, and I'm like, well, okay. Next time I go by that where, I'll see if I can locate that. Well, next time I went, had occasion to go past there, it was clear. And I looked, and it was during the daytime, and it was exactly as I remembered it. Remember, you know, I couldn't see 30 feet right at that point in time. Right. I've even got it located on Google Maps. I know the exact spot. I can tell you. And there's nothing there that would have made lights. No, it's a field. Yeah. It's a field. It's an open... It's the end of a cornfield right before a, a long tree line. Hmm. And this is right next to the uh, Maryland state line. I, I mean, one of the things that, that I've talked about, I mean, I, I would say especially in conjunction with, well, with a lot of stuff that, that I've experienced when it comes to, and I think I relate it best when it comes to the Ohio thing, mm-hmm. is the seamlessness Absolutely, all of it. absolutely seamless. You, I was, I, and you like see I said, that in the same way. It's not like I mean, people a have a hard time, I think, conceptualizing like how seamless it is, and then uh, you, you try to explain like literally. I can remember a contiguous mm-hmm. line of events. Yeah, and there's nothing there, right? Except you, weirdness. You can't detect the splice. No, no. <laughs> yeah, but yet there's time that's not there anymore. Yeah. Well, for that particular occasion, as I said, I, I don't think I really noticed any missing time because I wasn't thinking to notice it. Right. All I know is it's the middle of the night and I got to get home. Yeah. You know. So, um, 
that was a strange occurrence. Um, and, and it all points to the fact that something is going on. Something is going on. Yeah. There again, and the only thing I can say is I don't know what. Mm-hmm. I do have these little flashes, little snippets of memories that I may not supposed to be remembering or, right. or what. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, you know, we start out, and I, and I started this long tirade before with, with, with starting out, you know, by saying when we start out in this field, we have this kind of naivete that it's, this might be a situation of little doctors or, yeah. or scientists from another planet that are here to study us right. for some silly reason. But, you know, when, when you look at it, really what that is, is us projecting our interpretation onto yeah. a certain phenomenon, onto a certain set of circumstances. So after you run into enough cases, as you as we got involved with this, we had, you know, you get a little bit of notoriety and people start coming to you. Oh, yeah. Because people have, there are many, many people that have had very strange anomalous experiences mm-hmm. that they like to ascribe some kind of meaning to in their lives. Right. You know, it's a right. question that, Okay, it's not going to break the deal in your life if you don't have it answered, but it would be nice to have some kind of answer to mm-hmm. it. So these people who are involved will gravitate. They hear about somebody that is not going to immediately dismiss them as a kook, right, or uh, a, a you know a, a whack job or anything, and that will take the time to listen and validate, right. They're recounting at least their take on the experience. Well, because as the movie says, we're all space cadets. We have to make the best of it. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, right, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I well, mean, well, and and we have um, uh, there are there are uh, a lot of these people who come where where they're like, you know, they're they're very and I mean, they're very have a great trepidation about even broaching the subject with you right. because even though they've heard while well, you're involved in this they think, you know they might think that you know yeah. my story is so strange you would never believe it yeah guess what well and we're finding out i mean through a lot of different people that something that we brought up is and i brought this up before we even started recording is that to speak of this 100% honestly mm-hmm. is to negate yourself because it, it is. is so bizarre right that you can't you can't describe it. Not only can't you describe it, but then you try to. Uh, I, I personally, my personal belief is that there's a lot of people in this who have had significant experiences mm-hmm. that have dialed them back. They've dialed back mm-hmm. the level of what they'll expose to the well, public certainly. in public. Right, right. there are many people that yeah. would never in a bazillion years. I mean, they may not re- They may have had some sort of experience mm-hmm. and may not be able to recall the experience, but the fact that they even had that experience, they're not willing to disclose. Right, right. Uh, which, which is perfectly understandable. Sure. Now, those of us who would like, you know, do have a nagging question and would like to know some kind of answer, if not the answer, at least we can have a consensus idea that something weird's going on. Right. And through that consensus, maybe we can arrive at a point of some kind of objective reality to what's going on. Right. Um, I, I think, and, you know, and we've started picking up a number of cases mm-hmm. where there's pretty much nothing you could say to us that we would think was odd. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had our fair share of odds yeah. come up. Um, and uh, it, it, it's going on to this day. I mean, uh, um, 
I fell away from from the interest, uh, not the interest in the, in the subject, but um, just the the need to know an answer. Yeah, to the point where I kind of took it and went for many years completely the opposite way. Mm-hmm. But it's like one of those little nagging questions that that will never ever ever, as long as you live, let you go. Well, because you always have that little seed of wonder in there. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, when we started doing stuff. Um, I mean, you were the guy who, when I was seeing these disturbances in the air, it was mm-hmm. like humps. Mm-hmm. You were the one that I told you I was seeing these things. I said, I don't want you to think I'm crazy, but I'm seeing these things, and and they move, and they 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 stay about four feet off the ground. They're just a hump. They're mm-hmm. like a, an arc of disturbed air. And I always said that you could see them a lot better up against a white wall in the condominium that we lived in mm-hmm. had all white walls. Mm-hmm. Um, not before we left, but at that point. And, uh, and you were the guy I called you from the shop one day and I said, you know, I'm mm-hmm. seeing this thing. I'm seeing these things at work. I'm seeing them out. I'm seeing them at home. Mm-hmm. And you said, well, why don't you just think something? <laughs> and so I did, mm-hmm. you know, and, and and that ended up being, uh, I guess, at that point, it, it answering uh-huh. within my own head, uh-huh. which startled the crap out of me. And then uh, at some point, I don't remember if it was that day or whether it was a subsequent day down the line where I was at the shop, and I see up towards the ceiling, I see one of these beings of pretty well-defined uh-huh. – but not, but not solid. Where you could go up and slap him on the back and no. say, "Right, it, you know, like ghost-like, like mm-hmm. uh, uh, see-through." I mean, def- definitely see-through. Okay, but we're talking about a bay, big bay garage door, uh, no lights on because it was daytime. The lights streaming in, mm-hmm. and so you expect to see an object hovering in the air or a ball on the floor reflecting that same light that was coming in through the windows. And, in fact, it wasn't. It, it was a completely itself. different light right. source, right. which gave it a really eerie look. Mm-hmm. But it's floating. It's slowly moving. I can't really see a foot on one side. I can't really see an arm on the other. It's, right. it's, like, it's, it's like wherever it's lit, I can see from its own light source. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that was at the point where I said, you know, am I allowed to really see more? Can mm-hmm. I see more? And I'm asking myself, can I stand more, you know, at that point? And your answer? <laughs> well, here I am, you know. Right. How, how bad can what, you stand it? I mean, right. what else, it's, I'm half here, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I thought it was pretty surrealistic that it was in the air. It wasn't on the floor. It was mm-hmm. in the air. Um, and, um, and so that kept going uh, for, I don't know, a few months, I guess, mm-hmm. or something like that. And... Um, and we got to the point where we pretty much taped an inter- in- in- interview uh, yeah, that night. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you came over that night, and uh, I have to tell you, there were a lot of creepy things that were disclosed in that evening. Things that you related through whatever it you was. were channeling, speaking, <laughs> channeling—that's a scary you know, thought. Was talking to you. Well, what, I mean, what, what else do you, call it? you want yeah. to call it? You know, yeah. that you know, certain factors about me that you didn't have any way of knowing, right? Which right. really creeped me out, quite right. frankly. <laughs> well. And I think, uh, I think that Lisa uh, and I've talked about before that that she asked me something when I said I can see one. Mm-hmm. You know, just think something in the corner. Don't mm-hmm. say anything out loud. Just think something in the corner. 
And so I answered it, and it was something that she was thinking about. It was it related to the kid, right? And and she was genuinely disturbed by that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that was kind of the beginning of the end of her. She'd been very tolerant throughout this whole thing, but I think that was the beginning of it's getting to be too much, too much, right? Too fast, right? You know. Uh, but when you came over that night, you know, I was sitting in that chair, mm-hmm. and uh, and you were on the couch, and I remember that it took a while for something to actually to show up. Mm-hmm. I saw it there, mm-hmm. and I was like, there it is. That's mm-hmm. it. That's it right there. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see anything? I did not. You did not see anything? I did not. I remember that as we were sitting there, a red light flashed in the corner. Did you see that? I don't recall. Okay. It may be on the tape. Okay. Because I remember seeing that. I don't remember if it was a red one and a white one, just kind of a flash. No. Very I small. All I know is the strangest interview I've ever conducted. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't even remember what all what came out. I remember the only thing that sticks out of my head that came up was your first name, your real first name, which mm-hmm. I didn't I thought you your didn't real first know name was Lee. Time. Right. And and they came out with or it came out with hello mm-hmm. your real right. first name. Right. And and I was like what does that mean? And I just blurted it out thinking, right. this is dumb. Maybe this is all in my head. And then you turned white. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, um, when we got to questioning whoever it is you were, you were speaking on behalf of, uh, we questioned as to, you know, do you have a name? Right. What is your name? How do we, you know, what do we call you? Mm-hmm. And, it was a, such a bizarre answer. Mm-hmm. The I don't remember. You said you said if I were to tell you first off, you said you couldn't pronounce my name with your mouth. Mm, okay. And I said, okay, well, I'm pretty good with linguistics and right. that kind of thing. Try me. Right. And you said if you would if you would say my name out loud, it would cause the cataclysmic destruction of your universe. <laughs> really? I'm like, well, this is a little dramatic. That's totally sardonic humor, isn't it? It's completely, and that's that's what's so bizarre about it. I mean, it yeah. was it was funny. It was it was funny. It yeah. was funny, but it was not. But it was. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, I've okay. talked about that a lot. That's a little dramatic, don't you think? Tom? Oh hell yeah! You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But in a way, I think there is a ring of truth to it, too. Really? Um, not that our universe would just kind of evaporate into a black hole. Right. But, you know, if we said a name, how how narcissistic can you be sure. to do that? Right. However, what it may, may do is open your mind up mm. that would destroy the world and your belief system. Yeah. That you have at any given moment. Yeah. And that's kind of, upon a much reflection, that's the way I eventually came to interpret it. Huh. That there was some kind of intelligence and some kind of, of wisdom to what at first blush appears to be kind of a smart-ass answer. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and that really kind of gets to the point, really, of the crux of the matter where, where you know, at first I would tell people, and I'm, and I'm fond of making this statement that I used to tell people I studied UFOs, mm-hmm. but I don't have one to study. Right. You know, right. What we, re- what we study is the reports of UFOs, the reports of encounters. Right. Which means you're studying people. You're yeah. studying their cognition, the, the, the way they interpret 
an outside stimulant. And, yeah. and owing to the large amount of strangeness with this phenomenon in uh-huh. general, um, it, it all kind of smacks of that there's, there's unquestionably something there. But what we say happened to us is how we can cloak, how we can describe it in such a way Mm. that would make sense to us that we could relate to other people. Right. You know, you were looking for an air of commonality and we're kind of, you know, how do you describe, how do you describe a rainbow to a blind man? Uh-huh. You know, if he doesn't have a frame of reference, we don't have that frame of reference to really interpret what this phenomenon is really all about. And then we see people um, who are involved in the, in the hardcore publishing end of uh, ufology and whatever, right. who will promulgate all these stories about doctors and missing oh, yeah. fetuses and this and that and the other. And it almost, and I don't want to take away from anybody that knows in their heart of hearts that this is what happened to them. Mm-hmm. I can only offer my, my viewpoint and my take on it, mm-hmm. but there almost seems to be a bit of, I would say mass hysteria, but it's not really an hysteria. People aren't really necessarily hysterical about it. Right. But it's almost like a mass mentality. Okay, this is is the little tool set of explanation that I can use now. Mm -hmm. All right. Prior to the Barney and Betty Hill story, Mm -hmm. people that had, you know, you have George Adamski. Right. was visited by these people that were wonderful, benevolent space beings. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was the the um, the interpretation du jour. Barney and Betty Hill come along, all of a sudden, they're from this galaxy, right? and they're doing um, gynecological experiments right. on Betty. Right. And I find it so interesting because they're a mixed marriage couple. Right. Mixed race couple. Right. Uh, sorry, not mixed marriage, but mixed, mixed race couple. Right. Okay, um, that is that's what was the seed, the genesis of that mindset. There, mm-hmm. I believe the phenomenon's always been here. Mm-hmm. Um, it just gets cloaked and explained to the limit of our capacity, either technological capacity or our, or our ability to really understand yeah. it. I mean, that's something that that Jeremy and I have talked a lot about. Is that you go back through all these different cultures; they all seem to have something. Sure. To offer in this direction, Absolutely. and it all comes from their cultural filter of the time. Like, what is cultural filter? This? That's a great expression. And the only time that I've really seen that necessarily broken is when you're talking about some of these guys in the Amazon jungle who are, uh, I guess, drinking copious amounts of ayahuasca and things mm-hmm. like this, and mm-hmm. they paint their visions. And mm-hmm. when they paint their visions. Mm-hmm. A familiar thematic is a flying saucer comes mm-hmm. out in the or a UFO comes out in these things, and that's a, a, a little weird. But uh, you know, but at the same time, if it's collective, you know, it doesn't point. matter if they've never seen technology right. at all. Um, you know, if it's in the collective info stream, yeah, and that's why it kind of I, I mean, I, I said the word techno, you know, technology. You know, we explain things as far as the level of our ter- current technology will allow, right. Um, right now we're in the space age, so we see space people. Right. You know. Yeah. Hundred years ago, they saw dead people. Right. But that's a whole other topic. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or maybe not. And fairies, and we've talked about right, fairies exactly, on this show exactly. a lot. And we make a mockery of fairies by and large, but it's like I'm starting to think that, yeah, you know, there's definitely something to the, you know, the aspect of the, the cultural filter and how people see this stuff. Um, you know, and and again, I ask the same question, you know, why? Mm-hmm. When why, as George Hansen would tell us, is not a productive question to ask. That's, that's a great point. Uh, you know, I mean... I, I think for me, uh, I've kind of – I've said before on this show, you like, for me, UFOs are so 10 minutes ago. Mm. You know, it's mm-hmm. like it's not about that anymore. Right. Um, I don't even know that I equate the large body of ufological stuff to this phenomenon. I, I think there's a lot of books to be sold, a lot of videotapes to be sold, mm-hmm. and I hate to really – Bash the pseudoscience of, of ufology, oh, oh, yeah. but there's I mean, plenty of a, it. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of um, a lot of self-serving motivation in. Oh there. yeah, oh yeah. Um, and that doesn't really serve anybody who is being tormented, right? Not by little doctors or or, or scientists, but tormented by the anxiety of not knowing the. the some kind of answer, some kind of closure to what happened. Do you, do you think that that brings about the people selling the books and DVDs? I've always kind of said that people are so desperate for an answer, and there's always somebody out there willing They'll to sell out. it to them. Hey, I bought into it in '88. I yeah. bought Whitley's book. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I have great respect for the man. Yeah, and to this day, he still says he doesn't know what happened. Right, right. You know, if you really listen to it, it's, yeah. it's, it all depends on what you want to latch on to. Yeah. You know, okay, they gave me an implant. They did this, and they sucked something up my bum, you know. Right. If you want to latch on to that, that's that's going to be your explanation. Yeah. And I think he very wisely has left the book open. He's left he's left the, the final chapter open because right. bottom line is nobody really knows. Right. Because it's outside the realm of our normal experience. I can tell you that I was around... Well, up until that one evening, which I'll, I'll relate in a few moments, yeah. um, uh, up there by myself, mm-hmm. I was racked with fear over this. Oh yeah, I mean it was it, was, and I know people, research former research subjects and people that we've we've worked on their cases, yeah. uh, who to this day, I mean, are paralyzed and not by little beings in yeah. from, but they're paralyzed by the fear and the anxiety and the not knowing. What happened to him, or what's going on? Mm-hmm. And I got to that point, and I finally said, "You know, screw it. I'm I'm gonna get. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a knucklehead and face this thing head on one time. Right. I'm gonna do. You know, it's like you, you see, like the what the Three Stooges episode or whatever, where <laughs> you have to you have to spend the night in this haunted. Or not a three yeah, Stooges, to get your uncle's you know, inheritance. To get your <laughs> uncle's inheritance, you have to spend this night in right. this mansion on such and such an occasion, and. So I, I decided to do that. I went up to um, the Pine Bush and the uh, uh, the area within about a couple of miles of where Mr. Streber's cabin used to be right. uh, in uh, in the Catskills, Southern Catskills of New York. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm going to spend a night in the woods by myself. In a I, tent. In a tent. <laughs> and that's what I did. I drove up there. I pitched a tent and I found a little spot. Um, I pitched a tent there back in the woods and it was 
you know, I mean, it was getting. I remember you telling me about time. going. Yeah, and I'm going. What are you crazy? What are you nuts? What are you nuts? <laughs> we were up there. You saw what we saw up there. Right. Are you crazy? And I'm like, I have to do this. Yeah. And I did, and I went up there. Very uneventful, until. So I, you know, I, I opened up my can of beanie weenies, and I had my <laughs> little campfire, and I, you know, right. Took all this very primitive camping. I bedded down, crawled into the sleeping bag, bedded down for the night. I was like, okay, well, let's roll. Here goes, yeah. So, so <clears throat> I went to sleep. About 2.30 in the morning, I was abruptly awakened by what I don't know, except that I looked, you know, I had one of those sheer nylon tents, mm-hmm. and I could see a light traveling, uh, you know, through the tent material. Right. Right. Uh, just traveling, just kind of moving very slowly. And I knew it wasn't like right outside the tent because I could see like the, the shadow of the trees you know, okay. like moving. And so there was there was some kind of motion there. And, and it, it was like the light was flickering in through the trees. About high up, how high up on the tent? Like one to a hundred, hundred uh, being the peak? I would say, you know, as I'm, if I'm laying on the tent floor, probably maybe a 40 degree angle. Okay. Um, Definitely airborne. Oh, definitely airborne. Yeah. Yeah. But I said in myself, and to this day, I don't know why I said it, or maybe I do, or does he? Right. (laughs) Yeah. But I said to myself, oh, it's you. Hmm. And uh, odd thing to think. Yeah. Oh, it's you. Hmm. Which kind of suggests something. It suggests a semi-conscious or unconscious familiarity with all this. Yeah. 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 As soon as I said that, I was like, wham, I was transported in my mind. I was someplace else. Hmm. I mean, I, I have every reason to believe that my body, I was in the tent. I was still laying down in, in you know, okay. in my sleeping bag in the tent, but my mind was like gone a hundred miles an hour. And the only way I can really, um, Describe it as is like if you have a waking dream or a lucid dream, okay. where you know you're 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 totally self aware, but you're not where you are. Okay, if that makes sense. Yeah, I okay. think so. The only thing that I see in front of me, it looks like a like a baseball scoreboard. It's a it's a matrix of of rows and columns. Okay, and occupying each one of these little. These little cells in this matrix mm. is a symbol. A symbol? A symbol. Okay. And every, well, every every cell has a different symbol in it. Okay. Okay, and have you ever seen like a flip movie? Where yeah. You, where you flip through and you see where, where there's a bunch of different things. Okay. Supplemental perception kind of thing. Okay. You know, where they just do a quick flash of an image. That's what every one of these cells was rolling. It was flipping a whole Breakneck speed series of symbols. Hmm. It's like like that. Each one so fast that I couldn't ever, you know, things. It's almost like seeing a shooting star. It happens so fast. By the time you go, it's gone. You okay. know, it was so fast I could not consciously assimilate. I couldn't tell you this to this day what any of the individual symbols were. 
Okay. And so not, can, you can't say if any of them look familiar. Yeah, or, it wasn't an airplane and a duck or anything right, you know, or okay. a star or anything. Right. It was just a, it was, I know they were symbols and I know they were gone a bazillion miles a second. Hmm. And, and that may be a bit of an exaggeration. Right, yeah. But, but they were going really fast. Right. Faster than I could look at any one, pick any one out and say, this is what it was. Okay. Suffice it to say. That's all I remember from that. And mm. this went on for like a while. Okay. And I was like, man. <laughs> Fear? Well, it, not at first. No. And really, not ever. After okay. that, and this is this is what I'm getting to. Okay, because you know, just just the whole precursor of this whole thing. Why did I say that? I'm like thinking to myself, why did I say, "Oh, it's you"? Right. Why did I say that? Mm-hmm. You know, still a mystery, but whatever. All I know is the next morning I woke up. That's all I re- recall about the whole incident. So you don't remember the end of it or anything? I don't remember the end of it. It didn't have an end. Okay. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> but. um I woke up next morning, and every bit of fear, every drop of fear, was gone. Hmm. I have, I, and I it has never returned. Really, never returned. I'm like, a, like, go in the woods alone? Yeah, sure. Why not? Whatever. Huh? I used to have this horrible anxiety, this horrible feel, fear, even even of looking out the window at night. Huh? After that, nothing gone. It's nothing. I think I was given a gift. And I recently wrote to Whitley about that, and he responded to me, and he, he did say, he suggested, he didn't say this is definitely what happened. Right. He wrote back, and he said, uh, right around that period of time, he was having some very regular experiences okay. up there. Mm-hmm. Regular, I mean, conscious. Heavy, yeah. Heavy experiences. Mm-hmm. And um, he said it's very likely that they were out there checking you out. Huh. Whatever that means. Right. You know. So, I mean, I take it with a grain of salt. But, right. But uh, all I can say is I came away from that experience with, with no fear. And, and, and the thing is, Jeff, when when the fear was gone, a lot of the motivation to even look into this yeah. went away. And that's why I dropped out of the scene. Yeah. And I had several active cases. We had several active cases. We were actually working at the time. Right. And we were like, what's the point? Right. Yeah. You know? And then I fell, fell away. Now, I've recently come back into, you know, I moved out of town for for several years, and I've recently come back into town. I've always kept a peripheral interest, and we've always kept in touch very sporadically throughout the years. And I know there was one photographic case that you you sent to me, and and just to get kind of my two cents worth of of it, and we both agreed it was CGI. Yeah, Yeah. sure. Um, But uh, I'm, I'm kind of drawn back into it. But with a new set of eyes now, and looking at it mm. uh, not from a perspective perspective um, of that it is of like latching onto the extraterrestrial hypothesis, or that or you're going to you put it in any it. box for that, right? Point. Put it in any box, exactly. Um, and I, and by that, by saying that, I definitely don't want to take away anybody who knows that they know 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 that that this is what is happening to them. Right, right. More power to you. If you have a deeper understanding of it, then great. Yeah. I'm not, it's not for me to judge. I I think that's one thing that seems very common among this. It's a, it's a pretty intensely personal experience. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've said that a lot uh, on this. I mean that, uh, that part of the problem is that 
you've got the people who know mm-hmm. it's little doctors from another planet. Right. Because that's what they experienced. And because that's what they experienced, it's every bit as real Absolutely. as my bizarre shit that seems to make no sense at all Absolutely. to that. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, it becomes this... Uh, uh, I mean, we talk out a lot about mm-hmm. the the click of ufology and how, yeah. essentially, to speak out against the ETH, to speak out against um, regression hypnotherapy, to speak mm-hmm. out against any of these things or the people that purport them, uh, is to systematically be alienated, marginalized, and ignored. Right. Uh, because the while this is not a field... We always refer to it as the UFO field. It's not really a field. It's There's, not a field. This, it, it, that's so loosely defined. I mean, that you know, when it comes to um, speaking out against any one thing, uh, I, I recently had an encounter on this message board, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of mine, that uh, uh, you know, I, I the, the I guess the the premise of Alternate theories came up, and so I presented this thing called the feedback loop. Okay. Which is hard to get your head around, but for me, it seems to make some kind of absurd sense as to, I don't know, the mechanics of this thing, which is something we were always kind of fiddling Mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. And so I mentioned this, and because it doesn't include space doctors and extraterrestrials, you know, I got flack from this guy who is a longstanding older guy in the field, and, 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 and ultimately, you know, I, I had to say, look, you don't know what this is either. Because mm-hmm. the answer was, you know, whoever postulates these kind of things uh, isn't up to the ET smarts. Right. And re- immediately, our reaction to that back in the day would have been, how do you guess the alien mind? What do you know? Right. You right. don't know anything more than we do. Right. Uh, and so that's what I said. And, of course, there's no response to that because there is no response to that. Well, and, too, you also have to remember that there is not necessarily only one explanation. Right, either. right. Right. I'm perfectly willing to accept that some of this stuff could be that. Mm-hmm. When we had Travis Walton on the show, mm-hmm. I said to Jeremy, after we got done with him, I said, you know what? If there was ever a case for people from some other planet, mm-hmm. maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, just maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you look at it and you go, wow, it's so bizarre, though. It is as mm-hmm. bizarre as everything else. It's just got... Uh, more of a physicality about it because somebody was actually not there, was not mm-hmm. present. Used, people, other people saw him be removed, you know, right, right. out of the out of the equation of being in the truck. You know, all of a sudden he's on the ground. You know, I mean, that's all they saw, though. Yeah, that's all they, they saw. They didn't see him be picked up, no. being lifted into no. the craft, as some Hollywood would suggest. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went over that quite a bit. Oh, that okay. night. I'm saying sure that's not what happened, I'm but certain, here's what right. did. You know, and when you look at what did happen or what he says happened to him, it, it is bizarre. Well, it he got, is. He got knocked off his feet. Yeah. And his buddy said, holy crap, let's get out of here. And left. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which I can't blame him. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I mean. No, but, I can't blame him either, right? You know, but it's, you know, and then, you know, but but you look at that and you think, you know, that, that could be something like it's been a one-off event for him. Although, mm-hmm. I'll say this. I asked him, and I haven't told you this yet. I asked him, mm-hmm. "Have you seen anything else? Have you ever seen like an upsurgence of poltergeist activity in your home, or have you seen another UFO?" Or no comment. Yeah, really. Yeah, <laughs> he said, "I would." Well, yes. uh, you know, I, I think he said something to the effect of like his his wife had told him 
you know, if you had, don't talk about <laughs> right. it anyway. Enough. Yeah. And, and and so one one wonders, you know, about that case. I hmm. think I think it's a I think for my money it's a good case. I, I like example for your you know example of marginalization. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, and uh, and so with us, when I look back over uh, the history of how my life like degraded into a three ring circus, which you know, because you were part. I was part a of the circus. Yeah, I had a few acts. I was, <laughs> I was in the clown car for that. One. Right, right. I mean, you know, it's like it gets to be too much. Yeah, it's too much. Right. And and uh, and I know that when we went up to Pine Bush, that uh, I mean, at least when we were on our way out, uh-huh. we had we had uh, seen the lemur up behind lemur, right. behind McDonald's. McDonald's we had right. drove Searsville Road like gob loads of times uh-huh. and I remember the one thing that sticks out in my head about that was number one having read Ellen Crystal's Silent Invasion uh-huh. I'm waiting for some kind of enormous thing to come over top of the truck and it never happened never happened fancy but that. but yeah yeah but uh, we had drew drove by a field during the daytime uh-huh. on Searsville Road uh-huh. If you came out of McDonald's and went left to Searsville mm-hmm. Road towards the cemetery, correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You make a right on Searsville Road and go down there. I don't know how far it was. It wasn't very far down. Mm-hmm. There was a field mm-hmm. with cows. During the daytime, there was cows in that field on the yes. left. And when we went by there at night, we stopped. You said, stop right here. Mm-hmm. And when we stopped, it felt like there was an auditorium load of people mm-hmm. in that field watching us. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want us there. Right. And you you looked at me, and I looked at you, and we said it at the same, you feel that? Right. <laughs> and it was palpable. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I think it wasn't long after that that we were leaving, and we saw this gold light mm-hmm. on top of the hill we had just come off of. Right. <sighs> very bright. This was no star. I mean, this was... It was not was a star. Very bright. It had some... Scintillation to it, mm-hmm. which is very fairly typical yeah. of what we would call a "quote unquote" for lack of a better term, an alien light. Right, you sparkly, ethereal-looking. Right, yeah. yeah, almost multicolored, but it has a, a basic hue to it of gold. But it's yeah. right, but it's all like right. But the thing was, and it's the not thing like that's... a regular incandescent steady. Oh light, no way! You know, no way. Which you could pick out a, a mile away. Sure. I mean, 10 miles away. the thing that, that got me about it was that at that distance, I don't think there would have been that much scintillation in play. That was not far. No, it was I mean, not it wasn't far, like this is a distant it mountain. It wasn't cold enough to have a lot of those scintillation effects. No, anyway. no. Um, I mean, it, uh, but this thing was not far enough to be doing that. This was relatively close. Mm-hmm. And when I, when you oh, think agreed, back agreed. on it, yeah. the thing that I thought about in trying to mentally picture that again. Mm hmm. Do you remember there being any reflected light on the mountain itself? I do not. I don't either. Mm-hmm. I don't either. No, there definitely was. It was a, it was a single point light source, and it was definitely on the mountain. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. And so you said, "Let's go." Mm-hmm. I was you're like, like Hell "You're no. out of your fucking <laughs> <Right>. mind!" <laughs> and and we did. We went up there, and there was nothing there. Right. I mean, we literally drove to the top of that damn peak, and there Welcome was nothing. Welcome to there. Cat and Mouse. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, we left, and as we left, I see this ball of smoke beside the road, and I don't open my mouth, because you'll want to stop and have a conversation with it. Well. Um, (laughs) 
But, you know, it that right there, um, to go up there, and I've said before on this show, that was largely the most uncomfortable place mm-hmm. I've ever been. Mm-hmm. I mean, just really uncomfortable, not only... Um, not, well, not not only just Jeff, you should take a tent up there and spend the night in the woods alone. Yeah, yeah. Good luck with that. Um, I <laughs> it's mean, it's not so bad. Uh, I mean, it's just um, well, we have Phil and Brogno who wants to take us up to the uh, the sites that he recognizes. Let's go. There, you know, let's go. Want to go? I want to go. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Oh Christ! It looks like I'm going. Yeah. Come um, on. But, Back, why don't we get a bus? Get all your listeners in there. We'll, well that's the plan, bus. is we're going to take some listeners and we're going to go and... Splendid you know, idea. But it's not an overnighter. It's just like you know, going up to Hawk Rock, I think it's called. The, mm-hmm. the, Jeremy's not seen that before. He has been up to these magnetic sites. And mm-hmm. Phil says these magnetic sites that they look like there's there's art, what looks like an artificial structure there. As I understand, you know, those, those mountains are almost pure iron. Yeah, 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 and there's a lot of very Huge weird iron magnetic stuff. Yeah, and that that brings me to this question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, being as you were staying in that area mm-hmm. in a tent, mm-hmm. with your head on the ground, ostensibly on the ground. I think I see where you're going with this. Go now ahead. here, now no, here's the thing: is just last night I'm listening to Terrence McKenna, who's a big favor on this show. Mm-hmm. I really, I really. Mention him quite a lot because he brings up a lot of. He probably brings up more good points about ufology than any ufologist has ever thought of. He talks about the production of DMT in the brain, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, the fact that for me, I think for you in large part, a lot of these things. Do you feel that a lot of these things tend to center around between two thirty, three o'clock, three thirty, maybe close to four? Have you had a lot of experiences around that time? In the wee hours of the day, yes, absolutely. That is apparently the time when the brain tends to dump the DMT, is in your normal dream time Okay. of that. Logical. And so he says, you know, and of course... He Whether not, you're awake or not, right? Right. Okay. I mean, he's in he's into a point now where he's, you know, uh, where, I, where I'm listening to him, where, uh, and he's always said that... Uh, he questioned whether or not hallucination was a good word to use in describing a psychedelic experience on DMT or the, the psilocybin or anything like that. Right, because he questions what it. am I seeing? Right, right. You know, and, and so I think uh, I think he's that been suggests that it's internally generated. Right. Mm-hmm. And he negates that and says, I don't think because my mind cannot come up with the stuff that I saw. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's a like a familiar theme that kind of runs through these things. Right. Um, do you think that the environment itself in Pine Bush, not the place as in a geological spot, but in the sense of the earth in that spot, is admittedly unique? No. Yes, without a okay, doubt. Okay, so that There's, being there the case, there are tons of mag- magnetic anomalies up there. Do you think that that opens you up to, you know? Certain well, kinds of reality we can't normally see. From a true scientific perspective, it's mm-hmm. already been established that uh, uh, our, the way our interpretation of events mm-hmm. goes is definitely subject to electromagnetic right. variances. Right. That being said, I mean, he, and particularly in the in the frontal lobe 
yeah. area, which is where we have a sense of our surroundings, as I understand it. Right. Um, uh, that you can actually induce people mm-hmm. through high doses of focused electromagnetic radiation into the frontal lobe area into people feeling that they're being watched or yeah. that they're in the presence of someone yeah. else. Dr. Persinger's God home. There's thing. even deeper. I mean, there's even deeper and a lot more fo- focused technology that deals specific with certain um, certain aspects or certain segments of the electromagnetic spectrum mm-hmm. as it applies to the brain. Oh, come on. We're bio, you know, we're bioelectrical yeah. devices mm-hmm. really is what, what, what our bodies are. Right. And um, therefore are subject to, to manipulation of some yeah. sort. So absolutely. absolutely. And that's not the and same. there's a scientific basis for that too. That's not just sure. our well, this is what I think. Right. You know? Right. Sure. Yeah. They're, 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 yeah. But that again, doesn't answer the bigger question of what the hell is it? Well, that um, is the question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you know, you can go over, uh, the geological, we had a geologist on at one point during the show mm. who talked to, I mean, people seeing ghosts. Mm-hmm. And the catch all answer, it seems like a lot of people in the ghost community is, oh, the hotel's built on granite and running water. And, and Rob Beck was the geologist that came on. He said, well, at the level of depth that that is, that would have very little impact. Yeah, the piezoelectric effect would, is, is actually quite minimal. I, right. I think. Scientifically speaking, if you're on a mountain made of iron, yeah, you probably have uh, your, uh, your the potential to be subject to a lot more high intensity electromagnetic uh, fields, yeah, uh, electromagnetic radiation. The potential is there, great, greatly more so than if right. you're sitting on a big quartz crystal. Yeah, well, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, if and the thing that that I've kind of I've kind of gone in that direction mm-hmm. of uh, you know, my my favorite saying is it may start in your head, but it ends on the floor. And, and the question is, how do you how do you right. tie a string from one to the other? Right, exactly. And this is what we're this is kind of the again getting back to what the crux of this whole deal is is um, it's it's how do you describe something that we don't have maybe a lexicon for? You know? Right. I I think there's enough circumstantial evidence out there by people who have come forward and admitted, you know, they can put it in their own little box that of this is what happened to me. But if right. you erase their interpretation of it and just go with the, the hardcore fact of something occurred in these people's lives, right? something they interpreted that is outside the normal realm, not the normal realm, not counting those people who are scared to death to come forward. Right. And we've seen it from the support group of people who otherwise at least absolutely normal, completely... Oh, yeah. Pretty much vanilla lives, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, Except for this one little element where aliens come and take them. Right. <laughs> you know? I know. <laughs> I know. It really is. Okay. Yeah. Um, it, it, there's enough of that out there to suggest pretty much, not circumstantially, that I don't think any jury would, uh, would ever come back and say, nope, there's nothing happening. Right. They have to admit yeah. that there is something going on. Yeah. What exactly it is, I don't know. Right. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? That's what Bob used to say. You know, are they real? Well, well it depends on what you mean by real. What do you mean by real? Right. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's, that's you know, I, I, I'm still, I don't know, I guess I'm still more or less kind of 
I've walked away from this show to, yes. to a certain degree mm-hmm. because I just had enough again. I, again, I'd had enough, and it wasn't. Well, I, through... I heard it was some some men in black came and told you you better knock this stuff. Well, off. that was the first time. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first time. Right. The second, you know, this 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 past time, it was like I'm just done. I'm mm-hmm. done because the field continues to descend into absurdity. The the uh, the old guard continues to defend its position and to speak right. out against that is a no no. Um, but everyone that we've had as a guest on this show mm-hmm. has, you know, and and we've had some we've had Bruce McAbee, we've had Phil and Brockner. These are both guys who've been in this for decades, sure. and they don't ascribe as much as some of these other people do to right. it, who are a lot more vocal, right. And I know I have that, the answer. Send fourteen ninety five for my right, book, and I will tell right, you what it is exactly. Or, uh, you know, what started out when we first met. And here's an interesting story for anybody listening who mm-hmm. cares about this stuff. <laughs> when we first met, oh god, here we go. <laughs> yeah, you knew people at Operation Right to Know, mm-hmm. and I remember sitting in the floor at the condo, lettering signs mm-hmm. for for them to do that. Mm-hmm. How that has erupted since that point has been exopolitics, which is now a huge thing that is going global. I know for all of this stuff, and I and, watch it. I, I, yeah. I keep tabs on. Yeah, it. yeah. And that all has just exploded from, you know, the government knows and they won't tell us to, again, the ideology of the extraterrestrial. I mean, the last. Uh, X conference that I went to in DC, mm-hmm. you'd have laughed because Jeremy has huge balls when it comes to getting up in front of people at a Good. conference. Good. And we're sitting there, and uh, the guy who runs the conference is up there talking, and it's a panel. The mm-hmm. whole big panel discussion is going on, and there's a lot of talk of extraterrestrial this and extraterrestrial that. Mm-hmm. And I said to Jeremy, How do they know? How do they know? How do they know? Right. What yeah, I don't know. Right. How do they know? They don't. And yeah, and and That's so the, the and I think Jeremy the asked that politics thing. You took you took you know the conspiracy theorists and threw them into a shaker with ice with UFO buffs and shook it up and hit them right. in a blender and this is what you've got. Yeah. But the problem now it. is that you know, they might be right. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it, but the thing I is, but the, yeah, but the thing is to stand up and, and to say in front of all these people, Jeremy mm-hmm. stood up and said, I just want to know how any of you qualify this as extraterrestrial when you've built this whole diplomatic, you right. know, infrastructure underneath right. of this. How do you right. qualify that that's what it is? And immediately out of the audience comes a woman who says, what are you here for? I mean, that's the kind of reaction that you get. What are we here for? And then... The, the 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 operator of this conference says mm-hmm. he'll debate Jeremy anytime. It is concretely, absolute, without a doubt, extraterrestrial. Confirmed, I believe, was one of the ex- confirmed. You know, oh, the, the, by really, whom? right? Exactly. By whom? Exactly. Um, you know, and this is where we've we've come to, Jeff. I think in the point of our pseudo careers in this pseudo science, <laughs> right. you know, pseudo UFOs, right? Um, we start out, and many people do, and many people take this track. You start out as a hardcore believer, yeah, because you don't have any other information. Yeah, well, you're a child to it, exactly. I mean. And the more we we grow into it, and we learn to question things, um, the more investigation we actually do, and we be, we tend to st- like kind of 
start shading over to the uh, to the side of skepticism. Yeah. And I don't mean the hardcore, you guys are all wackos. Not the fundamentalist know, not skeptic Not the Fox position. News version of, right. you know, of skepticism, but healthy skepticism. Mm-hmm. Let's not rule it out. It's I guess it's probably more agnostic yeah. than maybe skeptic. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I allow for the possibility of it, but let's explore it a little bit more. Let's let's right. find out. Let's let, let's let's ask some more questions because as soon as we get an answer to a question, we're going to have ten more questions. Right. So I mean, and that all of that is part and parcel of really moving us forward in our understanding. Of really what's going on. And right. God only knows. We may even come up with some sort of answer. My feeling is, my gut feeling is, when the answer is arrived at, even though a preposition is something you should never end a sentence with, right. um, we're going to find it intensely personal. Mm. We're going to find the answer to be very personal. Do you feel that... Uh, or the answers. Answers. Yes. Do you feel that there is a um, acceleration of sorts uh, of this stuff? Me, there is. Well, as far as as far as um, arriving at some kind of answer or arriving at some sort of revelation about this, do you think one is forthcoming before they put us in the Are ground? Are you trying to to? Pigeonhole me into saying, <laughs> "Well, there's going to be disclosure by December no, 20th, no, God, no." If I hear that one more time, I'll drown myself. Um, I don't know. Maybe. Hmm. Okay. There's the easy answer. Yeah. It depends. You know, I mean, we could I, go. We could go hardcore. Um. Uh. You know, hippie. Yeah. Right. Esoteric, and say, you know. Um. Well, if the Illuminati lets us, right? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, uh, right. There again, you know, and and it keeps going back, Jeff, to the to the thing where I believe it's it's going to be a personal thing. It's on a personal level. It's a personal revelation. Yeah. And really, I I you know I half jokingly say you know that it was a gift that that loss of fear or mm-hmm. whatever imprint of messages were given to me through those through that flip. Right. of symbols that made me lose all fear about the thing. Well, who's to say that wasn't internally generated? Yeah. You know, and it, it, it's just a part of the human growth. You know, as right. we, we get more answers, you know, you shine the light in the darkness and then you see that there was nothing there to be afraid of <laughs> right. anyway. Right. You know, do you, do you, uh, I, 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 as much as I didn't understand it, when I first watched Communion, the film Communion, mm-hmm. and and we've had the director on the show actually oh, really? of that show, yeah, of that of that movie, and uh, I, I still think to date that it's the most bizarre thing people don't get. That's probably one of the most important films to watch to see how bizarre, at least to to and corner the the, the, the nature the, of the bizarre. The bizarreness that was in that film was about a tenth. Of what, yeah, of what, of what it really is. But at least it included allegedly it. occurred. Right. Right. But at least it, it included it as yes. this surrealistic bizarreness. Um, and when I first watched that and I saw the end where Christopher Walken playing Whitley says, mm-hmm. maybe this is how evolution responds to a conscious mind. And I thought, what the hell does that I mean? I know, that that is very cryptic. And, but if you really get into it, yeah, I'm sorry. Now you're seeing it. But you're now seeing you're it. seeing it. 
you know, I mean, it's like this, it, it is doing that to well, some degree. It is pushing us. He's very fond of saying, you know, you, you face, peer into that face in the darkness, and it's really the reflection of evolution looking back yeah. at us, of our evolution. And that's just. And that, first you can't time get your I head, you get your head like, around that. Well, I mean, the first time I heard that, I was like, what the hell are you talking about? Right. You come to an understanding as you mature in the, in the, um, in, in delving into this and trying to come to grips and kind trying to come to terms, trying to come to some, uh, uh, understanding, mm-hmm. um, you, you, you kind of get a sense of what that really means. Yeah. And not, not, not saying that anybody who's on that path right now, that this is the marker where you know you've arrived. No. Or anything, no. I would never presume, you know, I no. wouldn't be so presumptuous as right. to even suggest that. Um, I just know, you know, this is part of my personal journey um, with it, and it's been uh, quite illuminating in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And it's still, you know, it, with any discovery, as I said before, you know, you, you answer one question, you get ten more questions out of Right. It. It's great. It's a part of growth. It's how we grow. So we that, become skeptical. We become oh, skeptics. Yeah. And you and I, I know that one case, that Ford Meat case in, oh, in yeah. particular, we can't definitively say, okay, that Polaroid that we were given that was taken in 1973 was a hoax. Right, no. But we can give pretty strong evidence that that's probably what it was. Yeah. Because we duplicated the conditions. Perfectly. Perfectly. <laughs> Including the shot spot, yeah. know, spot. I mean, yeah. And that was a case that Bruce was interested in. Yeah. And he had taken, I think he still got the originals. Probably, yeah. Yeah. And I think we kind of blew the lid off of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can't even, a lot of them have blurred together over the years that I can't remember a lot of the ones that we went out on. Yeah. Um. You know, I know that um, I, I know that there was there was one that uh, well, I mean, we continuously went up to to the spot with the, the church uh, where mm-hmm. where we were near the exact spot that Lisa and I had our big experience right. on, and we went up there on numerous occasions to uh, videotape these filmed, lights, and we, we filmed, filmed objects yeah. objects up there. Um, they look like normal airplanes at first, but then they go zing. until yeah, until <laughs> they start zigzagging across the sky yeah. and whatnot. Um, and, uh, and that, that spot, and I talked to you about this on the phone, I'm, I'm starting to wonder myself what geologically about that spot is interesting. Well, that particular area and all through that corridor, I don't know what, I don't know the, um, the geophysics of, of, of that area. Mm -hmm. However, I know that my GPS goes a little wacky when I drive in that yeah. area. Yes. Uh, yes. So there's some kind of I I would only surmise that there's some kind of magnetic anomaly or electromagnetic okay. anomaly that's going on around there. Yeah. Okay, you go with that hypothesis. Let's say okay, the, all right, you're only seeing these things because you're getting, you know, super magnets are, are affecting your brain to a point where you're seeing odd stuff in the sky. Yeah, and I don't think that's it. <laughs> I don't think that's it either. I think no. that's the simple answer. I think yeah. that's the real, that's the, you know, get off my back and leave me alone answer. Right. Because um, <clears throat> it could also beg the question, well, maybe this just makes us a little more receptive to what's really there. Right. Okay. So what you're looking at is you're, you're looking at the external and the internal, trying mm-hmm. to re- resolve the external with the internal. Mm-hmm. You're trying to extrapolate an objective reality from a subjective experience. Mm-hmm. Okay, usually in life that's done on basis of consensus. Right. 
We agree that is a red dress sitting there. Right. And we say that the we say the dress is red. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's look at every word of that. The implies one, implies an article. Mm-hmm. There's something there. We both agree that there's something there. Mm-hmm. We agree that that article is in the shape, you know, is made of cloth, is in the shape of, of, of what we have come to commonly agree is a dress. Mm-hmm. They have different stylistic tastes about it, but we agree right. that it's a dress. So we both say that dress is red. Next word is is. We both agree that it has a corporeal reality. Right. That right. it exists. Right. Okay. And then we say red, which is a qualitative, you know, uh, white light shine upon it reflects a certain wavelength of light into our receptors called mm-hmm. our eyes. Mm-hmm. And we interpret it and that we have an agreement on what we define as red. Mm-hmm. You're a color guy. Right. You know, how many different reds are there? No. Forget about it. Yeah, right. Right. Okay. But we we can agree generally that this dress is red. Right. Okay, we come up with a consensus reality that what is sitting on that uh, on that chair is a red dress. Mm-hmm. We say the dress is red. We're defining it. Right. We come to that. We, we don't have the luxury of being able to do that with this phenomenon. Right. And that's really what it boils down to. Yeah. You know. Um, do you agree with the statement that Don said to me, I asked him, I said, what are they? What is it? And he goes, well, I don't know what it is, but I can tell you one thing. If you put one of them on a stage with 100 people in the room, yes. only 50 of them would see 50 it. 50 of them would see it. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And Don, a great guy. Not super analytical, would you say? Would that be a fair assessment? Absolutely. And when he he's said that, I was much, like, what? What you see is what it is. Oh, he's, yeah. He's a basic... He's a simple man. No nonsense. He's, yeah, yeah, he's not. He's, he's not, not a complicated. Tongue, but he's no a simple man. No, yeah. he's a he's agreed. A, a very down to earth, you know, hardworking guy. Yeah. And when that came out of his mouth, I was like, "What the hell does that mean?" Right. And now I get it. Yeah. Back then, it was like I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. And so, I, I mean, the nature of perception we talked about from the get go. Right. Um, and, and and I think that's got boatloads to do with it in the sense of what we see no question you know the problem is for me at this point is there's this there's this perception Mm -hmm. and then there's the manifestation of that perception into something like you used to say can you ping a rock off of it right i've had things that i could that i put my hands on that i hit or that i touched touch you can feel them i can touch them right but again, it's all going through the three-pound universe between my ears. So, I mean, all of this, again, goes back to questioning what real is. What right. does that mean? Exactly. And so is that where you feel like this is leading us to, exactly to question what it is? And that's the part of evolution. The evolution not, not of us to becoming more upright in, in our, the way we walk mm-hmm. as human beings, but in our in our mind, in our spiritual development, in our... In our realization of our connectedness with each other, that we really are right. on a, you know, on a spiritual level, mm-hmm. not 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 on a physical level, but but and it is a part of the evolution of where we're going. I is there an evolver? <laughs> yeah, it's that Beatles record, right? <laughs> That's revolver. <laughs> uh... <laughs> No, that's a great question. That I mean, that's, that's. Do you think there is, or do you think it's us? My personal opinion. I looked into the, the face of the alien, and have. his reflection was me. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, 
Um, yeah, I believe there's a it, there's an evolutionary force at work, hmm. as much as whatever caused with the prevalent belief of the the creation of the universe is, which hmm. you know yeah. has until recently been thought of as the Big Bang. You know, right? Um, now even that's getting in question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. looked at because we've come to a deeper understanding. Right. It's an evolutionary process, and that is. That's the really the meaning I think of uh, of what Whitley was trying to convey right. with that. Um, so so if there's a, I don't want to I don't want to tread down the path of you know creationism and all that, but uh, we don't have know, to go there. If there's a, no, um, if there is, except for the fact that we we should agree that there has been a first cause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, the thought of something that isn't us, that is evolving the species of us mm-hmm. to something a lot bigger, uh, a lot more aware, let's put it that way, a lot mm-hmm. more aware than we already are now. Mm-hmm. I've asked Jeremy this question because it kind of falls in the line with you know what what he has said often, which is, yeah, I said. Well, what do you think? Well, if they're they're if they're making us better or they're waking us up, you know, you mentioned they, waking up a lot. Right. Like we need to wake up out of right. this. Like what right. is this? And you 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 made the great analogy that I still use to this day. Like where are they? If I could stick my finger through this, and you just put your finger in the air. Like right. if I could stick my finger through this, that's where I think they are. Right. Uh, that's like that's going to be a really uncomfortable thought to a lot of people. <laughs> Right, because if they're extraterrestrial, <laughs> they're extraterrestrial. They can go away. Right, but I don't like the idea that they're in my room right now watching me. You know that kind of. That, I think that's part of the resistance of what this okay. is. It's like you I don't, don't have like, to like it. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but Jeremy is. I've often said to him. I said, "Well, what are they waking us up for?" His answer to me is that, "Well, if we're all one, then they're adding to the. They're adding to the one. They're adding more." They're they're, adding they're, they're adding complexity, right. and yeah. you, and you're starting get you know you're getting out of the the, the skepticism, you're getting out mm-hmm. of the um, the as close as you can get to true science into it. Right, you're getting to the point of making the leap of faith of spirituality. It's, yeah, you know it's it's down to a spirituality question. You know where, where it's unavoidable. You, <laughs> it, yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, it kind of is. But there again, you know, I mean, uh, it, it's just a, it's a line along the continuum. Yeah. You know, uh, and, and as as our universe expands, or as our minds expand, as our understanding, our knowledge, intelligence, technology, whatever, as that expands, we need to keep keep revising. You know right. what what we call real. Right. You know, and and I think we are coming to a point in the evolution of mankind where we are starting, there are more and more numbers of people that are starting to recognize that interconnectedness that we have with each other. Right. That, and, and this is really mainly pertaining to Western world, Western mind thought, mindset, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, which is, has been the basis of culture and knowledge and understanding, even though, you know, our books are just now telling us something that the Native Americans and the, and the, uh, Eastern philosophies have known for thousands of years. Right. 
you know. Yeah. We're the uh, slow boat. We're in the slow boat. <laughs> you know, we have this uh, yeah. cocky attitude that we're, you know, sure. we're, we're the forerunners of all this this thought. Right, right. Uh, it does require the leap of faith. Yeah. And with any, with any interpretation of a, of trying to seek that consensus uh-huh. reality, that consensus objective reality of something, we have to agree on it. And coming to that point of agreement is in itself a leap of faith. Yeah. We can see something. We we don't necessarily, we, we have a tendency, and probably correctly so, to define things by what they are not. Right. right. You know? Right. The dress is red. Okay, what's the antithesis of that? And that is kind of, you really get, you know, you want to get real deep into this? Right. Uh, that's the source of the three knocks in Whitley's. Right. You know? Right. It's um, question, answer, or question, response, and then uh, the the resolution of the two. Right. Um, well, it's hard not. I mean, one of the things that, that we, becomes we hard agree, about. How do we agree that, that a dress is red? Because it's not blue. Right. It's not black. It's not white. Right. It's maybe a reddish. It's, it's specific. Right. Know, right. Falls in that. We pigeonhole. define it by its delimiting. Right. Attributes, right? I think you have to qualify real in the sense of can I? Can you experience? All right, Mister Clinton. Can you? <laughs> can you define it as you know? Can you? Can you put that into like if you can experience it? Certainly not. We take that leap of faith, and really, if you really want to, here we go. Mm-hmm. We get to um, that was the beauty of Carl Sagan's story, mm-hmm. contact. Right. You have this person who only deals with empirical da- data. Mm-hmm. That is begging people to understand things on a leap of faith, asking right. people to have a leap of faith based on experience. And yeah. then you have the man of faith who's always known it all along, mm-hmm. and he's asked to uh, recognize the legitimacy of the the uh, need for empirical proof. Right. You know, a, a very interesting play between those yeah. those two concepts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's. It, I mean, we're not going to, of course, get to everything in this episode because we're running out of time. Oh but, darn! Uh, yeah, uh, but I want to have you back. I'd be pleased um, to. I'd be pleased in fact, to. if we get, uh, we're going to when we go uh, into the next phase of this and we start getting really good guests uh, lined up. Uh, some not of them sucky ones like me, right? Right. Not not the stand-ins <laughs> one like you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'd like you to sit in on a couple of. Them, I'd be pleased you know? to. I'd be, um, I'd be uh, quite honored to. So I will. Uh, I'll this be stuff still fascinates me. Yeah, it really I mean, does. And you know, a lot of people are saying, "Well, you know, you don't believe in me anymore. You don't believe that I, you know, I was pregnant and then I wasn't." I'm not saying anything of the sort. Right. I believe yeah. that if that's what you believe, then who am I to say? Right. Yeah, I think there's more to it, though. Yeah, I think there's a hell of a lot more. Well, next time you come on, the one thing I want to talk about is like the multi levels of experience because I, I bring that up and a lot of people email and say, "I don't get what you mean by that." Okay, but we'll talk about that on the well, next. Well, maybe we can next get together and confuse them even further. Excellent. <laughs> well, thank you, Lee. Appreciate it very thank much, you, Jeff. And uh, everybody, hi, Jeremy. I, I, I look forward to meeting <laughs> you face to face. Chase those tornadoes away, Jer- dude. Jeremy was supposed to come down. I was supposed to have dental work, and they decided to put me on antibiotics for like a week before they do the dental work. So it's like everything got screwed this weekend. Jeremy with the tornado, me with my damn teeth. So. Um, uh, if anybody out in in the cosmos is listening, I could use a new set of teeth. Anyway, um, they don't come cheap. No, I know. 
Uh, but I will, uh, I'll be in touch, and we'll, we'll get you back on very soon. Splendid. Thanks, Jeff. We'll see you all back here in about two minutes. Uh, this is Colin Andrews, and you're listening to Paratopia. If you record audio for any purpose, chances are you want it to be heard. You want to attract the largest audience possible who can hear your message. That's where we come in. We're CyberEars.com, a revolutionary Internet service that will host your audio files and help you promote and track its popularity. Considering hosting a podcast to the world, we have all the automated tools to make the process as simple and easy as it can be. No technical mumbo-jumbo to work out. CyberEars.com does all the work for you. You record it. We take care of the rest. So don't delay. Go to CyberEars.com today and register for a free trial account. Upload your audio files and get heard. With CyberEars.com, it's your audio on your terms. Hey, everybody. This is Stacy Lowry. And this is Jeremy Vaney. Tune in to the Black Fridays at theblackfridays.net, where we explore the world one conversation at a time. On Sunday. How, do, how does that work? I have no idea. Can you say I have no idea a little louder? <laughs> I'm sorry, Mr. Scorsese. I'm sorry. Well, no, just because I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. That works. Okay. I need some... I need some <laughs> So the Jeff. So the Jeff. So the chair. <laughs> What's up? So you're not allowed to screw with a formula when we've got a catchphrase. People expect to hear it. They can't. They can't be thrown off like that. Oh really? Yeah. So it's like it's like pausing after what you talking about Willis without a laugh track or something. You know, it's like just jarring. It's my goddamn podcast. I'll do what I wish. Oh. Well, I guess I'll go now. Actually, this week it was your podcast for I was uh, apparently living in Tornado Alley. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. How'd you make out? How'd that feel for you? Um, I made out just fine compared to other people, so I can't complain except to say that there have been a lot of tornado watches since then and the weather's been really weird. It doesn't yeah, seem to have show you, any uh, signs of letting up. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in the apartment when uh, when that all went down? I mean, yeah, I was at my computer, and I actually I saw the the top of the tree outside my window just shaking ferociously, and then I saw. I mean, it looked like the Wizard of Oz, where you see like things flying by. It was like I saw a branch of the tree like fly off almost in like slow motion, it, like went it like gained speed and then smacked against huh. the building either our apartment building or the one next to me. Um, but no damage that I know of. So that's so. Did, so did I you decided did... to get away from the window and as you know, <laughs> go take a shower, which is probably <laughs> the dumbest thing. I yeah. Know. Uh, so you didn't know it was coming or anything. It just kind of, you were just sitting there minding no, your own. It and, was, it, and was, there, it was, well, it was storming out and the storm. It was like one of those like massive downpours that like goes by in about 10 right. minutes. And so uh-huh. within that 10 minutes, uh, there was about three minutes of severe wind just by looking at that tree. So it must huh. have been within that three minutes. I mean, then you go outside and it's like Armageddon. It's like, you know. Wow. 
trees down in cars, buildings, and all of that. And there, so, and my sister who lives in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. a friend of hers uh, went out to Prospect Park and found a uh, horseshoe crab. So that's interesting. Yeah, horseshoe it? grows in Brooklyn. <laughs> that's funny. <sighs> Um, so yeah, two tornadoes and a macro burst wind, whatever the hell that means. Uh, so they're saying that did the most damage, this macro burst wind. It's like, I've never heard of this because, you know, I've always heard of hurricanes and then you, you know, you you Mm -hmm. tape up your windows and all of this, but apparently just a randomly a macro burst wind can happen where winds get up to about 125 miles an hour. It's like, oh, really? That's never heard of it. Good to know. Yeah. Well, I got a place down the beach and about, uh, I don't know. Three years ago, um, we got a call from the neighbors that, uh, gee, the roof on the porch had blown off. <laughs> I said, how does that happen? And that's what exactly what they called it. It was a macro burst wind. And, uh, of, of course, everybody, there, you know, I back up against the canal. The house backs up against the canal on the bay side because uh, it's a peninsula. And, uh, and, and a lot of people on the canal were saying it was a, like a miniature tornado. Uh, came up the uh, canal so yeah those things happen but man new york it's just bizarre Um, yeah the weather's really bizarre now it's it i mean it feels like a trop as my sister said again today tropical rainforest except with the smells of new york (laughs) man that's just something i don't want to think about it's humid here to the point of uh walking around outside i wasn't sure it was my glasses but there's like a fine mist like you can see it in the air you're Mm -hmm. inhaling water essentially i mean it, it I don't know what's going on here. Actually, well, I do we, know what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, well, we had a, uh, uh, a kind of a weird weather day, excuse me, in the sense that uh, uh, the interstate that's, I guess, the closest interstate to my house, uh, about, I think it was, I left for work about 10 o'clock, and there were four emergency rescue you know, trucks out, and I thought, what are they doing? It was raining and it was raining hard, but apparently parts of the interstate had flooded that I have never seen flooded in all the time that I've been living up this direction in in uh, in Maryland. And uh and they were pulling at least four cars out of an intersection down by my wife's work. So um yeah, flooding like right in the middle of a, a street that doesn't even just seem to be in a <laughs> In a in a valley at all. I mean, it was a lot of rain. It's funny to uh, to, uh, to bitch about this online, like I did on Facebook and probably some others, probably our own Paratopia site. Um, is to have people go, yeah, get used to it. I mean, I I live in Tornado Alley. I I see tornadoes all the time. It's no big deal. Quit your bitching. And it's like, no, you don't get it. We don't get tornadoes here, and now it's like this constant <laughs> thing. Like we had uh, a tornado somewhere. Over the course of the summer, in also in Queens, that didn't affect me. It was a yeah. small thing. Uh, I mean, the fact that the weather patterns are changing is the problem. Yeah. Um, yeah. More so than my own personal, you know, gripes with nature. I mean, that it's the scary thing is the weather patterns are changing. It's like you're seeing the sort of uh, doomsday scenario of whatever <laughs> this is, you know? Yeah, it is kind of weird. It's kind of weird. In any event, we're here now, yeah. and so <laughs> why don't we talk about your little conversation with Lee. Tea and crumpets with Lee. Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Uh, nothing. Okay. Good night, everybody. Uh, no, he, <laughs> um, I was shocked that he sounded a lot like you and me. 
Like I was, <laughs> I was very surprised by how exactly like if I were in on that conversation, I think I would have felt as though I had known Lee for the last 10 years, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I, I don't know. I mean, when I, when I first met him, he, uh, he did a lot of listening. I remember cause I was in a pretty, uh, weird space at that time. And he did a lot of listening and, and, and ultimately, I mean, we, we kind of grew into that role of being, uh, research partners on this stuff, both on each other's stuff and then external things that had nothing to do with either of us. Um, and I'd say within a, a real short period of time, we both kind of arrived at the same sort of place with this and that, uh, the nuts and bolts didn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to us, but there were parts of it that were real. And, and we kind of, I don't know, a lot of what I still say, uh, even these days, we had been saying 10, 12, 13 years ago. And, um, uh, and really, our 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 viewpoints on this stuff, despite the fact that we had been out of touch, it, regular touch for for a number of years, uh, didn't seem to really matter. We just kind of fell right back into the same uh, level of, of discussion on the thing. But um, he's a, you know he's a great guy. He's one of my closest friends, and uh, um, and it was a, it was a great joy to. Did he agree to come on and talk? I mean, I thought that was great. Well, I thought and we both... are we are going to have him back, by the way, too. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we talked about making him a sort of an unofficial third host or special Absolutely. guest host or something. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, I thought you guys both really nailed the Streber. This is what the face of evolution, evolution looks like uh, mm. to us when applied to a sentient species. Right. Um, I thought you guys really fleshed that out well that most people who probably didn't get it before might be able to understand that better now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I also, <laughs> I'm just fascinated by going into a fog bank, seeing giant birds. I mean, I've, I've had another friend who told me a going into a fog bank, seeing a being, a glowing being and coming out, you know, and having some sort of missing time, but he doesn't really know what to make of it. Um, this was mm-hmm. a guy I was in an improv group with, you know, way back when, when he found out I was into UFOs, I guess the mid nineties told me the right. story, didn't know what to make of it. I wasn't sure if he was kidding. He wasn't. And you hear it every now and then. And in fact, like the most convincing Bermuda triangle story of late is the guy who goes into the fog bank and comes out ahead of time or something, you know, in, right. I mean, and that's not an quote unquote alien thing, but there's a time slip or a missing time. I don't remember what it is. I think, uh, but somehow he ends up traveling, you know, the length of the country and <laughs> in no well, time. Yeah, yeah he comes uh, out way ahead sense. of schedule, where, way way ahead of where he should be. So yeah. what is this with the fog and the time and uh, what is that? I mean, do we have an answer for this? Is there anything <laughs> in science that we know of? Wormholes and fog? I don't know. Wormholes and Fog. That should be a name of a book right there. Or my new band. That's my yeah. new band name, Wormholes and Fog. <laughs> uh, I mean... Uh, and Young. And Young, right. <laughs> <laughs> I think back in the day, and I'm I'm going to take a stab at this, and Lee will probably tell me if I'm wrong or right. A lot of things that we talked about in the sense of what we remembered from certain things. I mean, a lot of things were seamless. You know, when he talks about the fog bank and stuff like that, I 
I think at one point we kind of chalked it up to some kind of screen memory at one point, but you know, as time goes on, I wonder about screen memory, like what that even means, if that's even in play with this. I don't know. I mean, when you think about a fog and and the, the way that he describes that fog, you know, is that a tear? Is that a, a dissolution of, you know, the physical state into some other state that you're passing through or that you're inside of um, in that? I mean, God, who knows? I mean, what's the birds? What's the birds have to do with that? What is that about? Here's the constant inexplicably weird. And ambiguity. <laughs> I mean, there it is. There's the two things that are constant and all of that stuff. That was, I think, back in the day, that's kind of where we left it, is that, uh, you know, the experiences uh, were not being accurately reported in a lot of cases that we read about publicly. And we always found that strange because anytime we would go to an experience or support group or hell, even like a big MUFON thing. And I remember we went to one in DC some years ago uh, together and I, and we, we got a lot of stories of encounters from people that were just beyond the pale of bizarre and weird, but yet you didn't read that in the literature when you started talking about abduction or, you know, visitor experience stuff. And the more that we got into the midst of researchers, that's how we kind of found out that, well, they're kind of leaving these things out. They're not really talking about this stuff because it doesn't fit. You know, it doesn't seem to doesn't seem to jive with what they're reporting in a book or on a TV show or whatever. That part is inexplicably left out. Um, and so, you know, bizarreness being the bastard stepchild of ufology uh that's where we decided to look more <laughs> and uh and that's how we kind of arrived at where we're at now with it so did his uh story of seeing the symbols um i think it was out at pine bush did that come out more dmt trippy than you expected no i mean it well i mean he always had related that to me as that it wasn't he wasn't physically somewhere else that this was visionary so I knew that uh, the fact that it was all of these different symbols of which were indecipherable to him. In fact, he said he couldn't even draw one. If you asked me to you know, draw one of them that you saw, he couldn't do it. You know, I mean, that that kind of feels like that uh, that psychedelic uh, feel to it a little bit. Uh, I, yeah, I guess it was a little bit it was a little bit trippier, but not unexpectedly. So, I mean, I don't think I. I don't think it was unexpected that that it had that flavor to it because uh, I think we've kind of grown, I don't know, kind of used to hearing that sort of thing. Just that very bizarre quality, that psychedelic quality to some of these experiences that just kind of is a constant thread to a lot of this. What do you think that that was? Why do you think that that was or why do you think that simultaneously reacted to fear being removed? What do you think that experience had to do with that? I have no idea. I, this one is a really stumps me. I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, when you had fear removed from you, that's a lot different. That was like, yeah. I mean, did it have to do with a, symbols or no? No, it had to do with somebody putting their hand up. <laughs> you know, but and, you didn't and, see and, symbols. No, not 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 at that point. No. Okay. Uh, you know, I'll describe that feeling um, when the hand went up. 
it wasn't as if to say stop. It was it was a limp. It was a hand like like not straight out like stop. It was kind of like this, uh, just kind of a, a half bent hand. You know, this doesn't work on the radio. <laughs> I know. Um, it was it was it was just a relaxed outward hand, and I gotta say, in the sense of being calm and at peace, this was different from that. This was almost. There was a, a certain amount of relief, but it also had an anesthetic quality to it, if, you, if that makes any sense to the description. Sure. Uh, I think that that had a lasting effect on me for a period of days. I think what Lee experienced was – I mean it was strange because I'll say this. and I know he's listening, but, but I, you know, and I would say this directly to him too. I, he seemed a different person when he came back. There was something definitely different about him and something definitely more at peace with this subject that it seemed like the fire of of the wanting to know the desire the the driving you know spike was kind of uh, removed that that kind of i don't know that burn uh, was not didn't seem to be there for him as much well, he seemed much more at peace with it do you see a link between fear and wanting to know what this is? Do you think fear drove him to want to know what this is, or do you think I think I think the ties the whole thing? It was kind of like forget about this interest, go away. <laughs> no, no, I think, uh, and again, I can't speak for him, but I think that uh, that both of us got highly fed up with the fear part of it, and he took the much bolder step that I decidedly would not have taken. Uh, which was to go up there to spend the night in a tent in the woods in Pine Bush. I mean, what? That to me was incomprehensible when he said, this is what I'm going to do. Um, and I think my my exact words are, you crazy? I mean, what? But he did it. And uh, I, I, I admire the hell out of that kind of courage to do that. I think it just gets to be – a point of being sick and tired of being sick and tired of being afraid. Uh, and so to go up there and I guess from his standpoint, maybe it was to go up and face it meant to finally put those kind of fears to rest or confront them or something like that. That's probably where the growth comes in. That's probably where I'm stunted. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly, you know, yeah. Well, getting I back mean, to the symbols. I mean, one thing the symbols could be, you know, s- symbols speak to us unconsciously. So, Maybe they are, even if he doesn't recognize them consciously, unconsciously, maybe he does. Maybe they were saying something to him that was so fundamental that that is what did it. That's what took away his fear. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. way to look at it, yeah. I don't know. Something in me wants to steer the conversation to what we were talking about privately about dreams. Just in that, uh, you know, I've been watching things on Joseph Campbell and I've been watching, you know, Yale courses on psychology and talking about dreams and how sort of the predominant theory on dreams is that they are about um, working out and resolving or issues or actually teaching, teaching you how to resolve issues um, that are of import. And so that when you're a kid, commonly your nightmare would be of being chased by a wolf or a bear because that's what our ancestors were chased by. Uh, and so you sort of see how to get away from a wolf or a bear. And then you get into high school age and it, you know, transforms into 
whatever, you know, the high school scenario, the high school version of that. But it's all basically a version of that that you would have to deal with in life. And a few nights ago, well, actually, more than a few nights ago, I had a dream where I was shot. And I've had a dream where I was shot before. And every time I have a dream where I'm shot, it's always the same feeling. It's like you can feel the blood gurgling in your lungs and you can feel a numbness, not really pain. And there's the thing of knowing you're going to die. Like, you know you're going to die and there's nothing you can do about it. And so deal with that. And then the moment when I die, of course, I wake up. So a couple of nights ago, however, I had an alien abduction dream where I was on a bus and I was sitting in front of the bus uh, and suddenly like the sound stopped and I looked behind me and everyone had just was just frozen in time. Whatever they were doing in action, they were frozen in time. And there's like a light that shines down and I'm like, oh, God, you know, this is an abduction and there's nothing I can do. And it's that the terror dread and all that stuff. And I don't mm. see what's abducting me, but I, I just know it. I know what this is, and I'm fucked. And now it's a matter of, I'm still awake in this. I'm still, like, this abduction is going to happen. There's nothing I can do about it. And so how do I deal with the fear? And in there was, like, knowing, like, okay, they might take me and I might not come back. Or it was just, like, I remember in the dream thinking about missing time and thinking about, um, well, maybe if I just shut my eyes and try to deal with the fear. When I open my eyes, the missing time will have happened, and I won't remember any of the stuff in between, so it won't matter. <laughs> yeah. uh, like, all of this stuff is going through my head of how to deal with the situation. So my question is, why would I have that dream unless I were an abductee? Because it's not a dream telling me about my fear of death. That's what the shooting dream is, right? I'm not being chased by a bear. <laughs> and the fear is a different quality, of course. The fear, as we all know by now, is the fear of annihilation. Mm. Um, so I'm just wondering why it is that I would or anyone would have a dream like that uh, unless it reflected something that you really do have to deal with in real life. Mm. Just throwing that out there. Well, I thought about that a lot today. And uh, and I, I, have a, I have a question um uh, Possibly a psychological one <laughs> for you. Go on. When I was a kid, uh, when I was, uh, I don't know, I would say six, seven, eight, um, I had recurring dreams of vampires. Yes. <laughs> Horrible fucking dreams of vampires. What purpose did that serve? Well, I don't know about you, but my dream was always, for some reason, my mom's mother, my grandmother on my mom's side, would, like, carry me away. Like, she was somehow protecting me and maybe my sister, but definitely remember me, from uh -huh. these vampires. And that was always somehow carrying me away. So, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I mean, what? I don't know what that again, would be. even in the vampire dream, the difference is the fear. The fear is... Nightmare fear. It's night terror fear that everyone knows who's ever had a nightmare. They all have mm -hmm. that same quality of shocking fright that right. is completely different from an abduction. Shocking yeah. fright. Yeah. And the yeah. abduction dream has the abduction quality of shocking fright. Not to the not to the extent, but it's got the overtones of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um Yeah, I, I thought a lot about uh and I'm not talking about my vampire dreams were not uh Bella Lugosi, uh, or Edward, <laughs> you know, my 
vampire dreams were, oh, Nosferatu or uh, uh, Mr. Barlow from Salem's Lot, that kind <laughs> yeah. of vampire. That horrifyingly – and, and I, I mean I, I see the old Salem's Lot with David's soul and I can't watch it um, because when that thing comes through that – <laughs> comes through that kitchen window and those people are sitting around that table and it falls to the floor and all of a sudden it just stands up. Ugh. I mean, it's that's the kind of dreams I used to have as a kid a lot. I mean, a lot. And, uh, and, and I thought about that and I think I told you on the phone that I had talked to a fair number of psychologists about those kind of dreams because I had a lot of people in the experiencer group, um, myself, uh, a couple of people I knew from within ufology who had had abduction experiences actually had dreams that they could clearly define as dreams um, of UFOs, of seeing UFOs, of aliens, that sort of thing. And I would say the vast majority, like if, I'd say if I asked five uh, psychologists, is this an unusual dream? Three or four of them said, yeah, it is, it is a fairly atypical, unusual dream to have. I, I don't remember why it was unusual. I'd, I'd have to check into that again. But uh, I've had dreams not unsimilar to what you described there. And in fact, I had a, an actual case where you described the people on the bus freezing as if their time stopped. And the bus, you know, everybody on the bus stopped moving and stopped talking and it went silent and everyone was frozen in this speck of time. Uh, I had an actual case at a diner and a waitress who experienced that very same thing. Um, she yeah, was serving I think you told us about that table. during the Barbara I mean, Crow episode. Yeah. Anytime I hear a dream like you, what you describe, I have to wonder if it's not partial memory of something. You know, I, I do. I've got to wonder if there's not something surfacing in there. Hmm. Uh but but who knows? I mean, you, you can't qualify any of that stuff. But uh, no, I but agree the thing with I you. I always find but, interesting about my own alien dreams, and and then I was shocked to find out that you have the same thing. Is that for all the talk about how pop culture is supposed to have influenced us, and we should be seeing little grays and all that? I right. never see what they look like in the dreams. <laughs> right? Yeah. Why aren't I? Why aren't I? The only time I did, the only time I, I can remember having a dream where a UFO landed. I think I had it twice because once was in a Vermont setting and the other was in Taunton, Massachusetts setting. Uh, mm -hmm. It lands, people get out, and they're people. They're humans. So, oh, okay. And, you know, so what is that? You, you know what I mean? Like, not even – again, I'm still not seeing Little Grey yeah. whatever. And they're not like alien people or, you know, Nordic types <laughs> right. or any of that. Right. But even that is like they're dream characters. Like, even in those two scenarios that I just outlaid it, they're like – the evil dream characters that I've talked about where it's like you wake up into a dream and you start talking to them and mm. then they become aware that you're aware and they want to kill you like Inception. <laughs> right. Uh, right. They were that quality of like malevolent human okay. looking people. So I don't know what that is. You know, I don't know. I mean, how just how odd is that, that you would not see aliens? Uh, I don't know. I mean, like I told you that most of the time what I see is. The, the the device, the craft, the whatever you want to call it. That's what I see the most of in dreams. Um, I bet you I've had a handful of dreams where I actually saw an actual being of of some sort. The one that sticks out in my head the most uh, 
is my grandmother's house, which was, I don't know, less than a quarter mile from where Lisa and I had the pinnacle experience in the truck. Um, you know, my grandmother's house was literally right there on the previous corner from that. And uh, I'm in her house. I go down the basement. It's raining. Uh, there's thunder going on outside. And as I go down the steps into the cellar area, there was a cellar and there was like a finished basement area. In the cellar area, right above the washing machine, which was one of those old uh, <laughs> tub washing machines with the rollers on the top, uh, was a little window that looked outside. And uh, there were two heads in that window, and they were clearly not human. And then I wake up. I wake up screaming from that. Um, I, I can say that's honestly like the only time that really sticks out in my head of that. Oddly enough, I don't have dreams or nightmares about the experiences that I have had. Now, that would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. You know, If something like that is replaying yeah. in your head – that would make sense to me and that you're trying to resolve it somehow or it was just such a terrifying experience that it works its way into the subconscious and, and expedites itself that way. Uh, I don't have that. So I don't know. That is a little strange. But uh, but what isn't? <laughs> uh, uh, this is true. But, but it's but, also – isn't know. it also strange that, you know – Everyone but everyone talks about Whitley Strieber's communion head being a big influence mm. on them. I mean, how many times have we heard this and Lee brought it up again? And yeah. the two odd things about that to me are, one, I believe Strieber altered the appearance of what he actually mm. saw. So mm. that cover doesn't even really reflect what he saw. Uh, right. And then two, I don't know of anyone who's – everyone I know who says – Oh, I've seen that. I've seen grays. Doesn't really reflect that head. That head is tan. That head is not. That alien <laughs> cover is not a gray. Right. It's yeah. got the same sort of shape. And then what people remember and draw are basically more like what I actually what I saw, which are uh-huh. sort of gray to the bluish end of the spectrum, mm-hmm. uh, or you know something along those lines. But the point is not exactly the Streber thing. So right. what is it about the Streber? symbol talking about what are symbols doing what is it about that i mean that's fucking magic isn't it it wakes people up to this thing that's in their lives but the thing that is in their lives doesn't exactly look like that but they say it does like well i think it's really is i've seen that face and then you realize wait a minute if you think about it no you haven't and in fact neither did he (laughs) (laughs) well i think that there is something in that image um it does that. capture the quality of the beings. That's and that's it. I mean, that's the point. Uh, you know, Lee and I have said for years that there will never be a drawing or anything that accurately reflects that look. That is like the Mona Lisa of aliens. It's all in the smirk. It, you know, it, yeah, that's exactly it. I, I mean, you look at that face and you look at that slight smile on it and you just get you sardonic motherfuckers uh, because they are uh, <laughs> in the humor sense of it. But yet the there's something about the eyes in that. There's something about the uh, there's a I don't know. There's like a there's a strange I, I look at that picture whenever I look at that picture, I can almost smell them. And uh, and I know that's our running joke, you know, let me smell you from the movie, you know, but 
it's got it it evokes that kind of response uh even though it's not it's not perfect uh it's got a certain quality about it that definitely captures the the essence of that of that look uh and and i yeah i don't know i mean i've i've got a, a very kind guy who's uh doing a sculpture for me of my little guy from 9 years old with the hat who clapped in my face and the gong went off and i to me uh, you know, I look at it and it just makes the pit of my stomach drop. It's it's so good, uh, even in its rough state, or I get you know, or semi finished state. But I bet you a lot of people would look at that and go, "No, that's not quite right. This is a little different, and that's a little different." But here's the thing: when you're talking about what, what Lee and I have said for years about this stuff, which is it's tailor made, the experience is tailor made, the subjective nature of 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 many of these events you know isn't that all part of it isn't that all they um they may not appear to everyone in the same fashion so we may never get a cohesive drawing of whatever these things look like as a consensus reality we may never get to that so therefore any image that we see is going to be somehow differential to what we actually experience I don't know. I mean, true, but then I, I don't know. Here's what's another layer of weird is I don't know many people who say they looked at the cover of Missing Time or Intruders. I know there are a few out there, but I don't know of many who have said that that was what changed them. People always no. reference communion as what changed them, but then when you think about what they then go on to believe their abductions are, they believe more along the malevolent, you know, little alien space doctors line. So it's like huh. Streber wakes them up and Hopkins puts them to sleep or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's weird. Yeah. Well, that's because Streber's book doesn't contain any great answers. It asks questions. You know, that's the thing. And so in the desire for answers, people will latch on to what makes cohesive sense to them. Uh, I, well, maybe I can tell you because yeah. communion, I guess if you're reading it, you could be like, well, this is one man's struggle to make sense of this. And then you read Bud Hopkins like, oh, this is one man who has made sense of this. And he's got a lot of correlative data, so he right. claims. Uh, and yet, through the sands of time, that turns out to be complete malarkey. And Streber <laughs> is still, as yeah. as should be, questioning this stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I don't know of a lot of people who read Communion and – Look at that and go, that's a great UFO book. I mean, I don't even see that as a UFO book per se. No, that's getting just back a, to vampires. I've always said that that's a modern day version of Dracula. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's, it's not about the phenomena of UFOs and aliens. It's about something a lot deeper. He really stuck his finger in the well and got into something – uh, uh, he, he touched upon that deep layer of well, the, the multi-level layer, experience. Like Dracula, I think, like part of it at least, is is this real? I know Dracula is supposed to be a work of fiction, but there's uh-huh. something about it that is feels so real that the myth of it has lived through the sands of time. You know, like that right. to me is what Dracula right. has done. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, here it is. Yeah, look at culture. today. Yeah, uh, and Streamer right. did the same damn You know, somehow he nailed it with aliens. But of course it goes deeper than that because it's also – part philosophy it's part spiritual mm-hmm. journey it's part materialist what's going on with this world uh you know what is reality all yeah. those sort of deep questions too um, right right 
Yeah, I don't I don't know why this isn't considered like one of the great American works of literature. I mean, really, <laughs> because even if you don't believe, even if you're a complete skeptic, it doesn't mm. matter. Look what he did with this book. You know, look how it affected yeah. people's lives that even today they still say, you know, like even if it is a work of fiction, like even if you're a skeptic and you say, well, this is all crap. Yeah. Well, what? How telling is it that this work of fiction can touched upon something. wake people yeah. up to something they believe is in their lives? Right. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, how does that work? Yeah. Unless you're a Bible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I wonder what those symbols do. Now I'm going to tie this in. What are symbols? You know, what did those symbols do to Lee? What are symbols? What is it about a shape or a set of shapes that speaks to the unconscious mind? You- did my symbol speak to you? <laughs> you've seen it. I mean, no, no r- r- damn few people have, but you've seen it. Did it speak to you in any profound way? I mean... Not really, because no. there, there was almost something uh, logical about it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it spoke to me in a way of, like, almost like a horrible taunt. Like, you could figure this out if you really tried, you know? <laughs> Which you probably yeah. can't. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Uh, but there are some I'm things. still trying to figure I mean, it out, so. If you just think about, like, a math symbol um, mm. or basic math geometry, that does nothing for you, right? But then you look at... Geometric shapes in a crop circle, for instance, or sacred geometry or fractal geometry or any of those sorts of things that have – I mean, why, why does one carry the flavor of a higher meaning than another, you know? Yeah, I don't I don't know. <laughs> I don't I mean, know. This to me is I don't even, I don't clue even... of like what is a human being that just seeing a line put together a certain way mm-hmm. uh, evokes a completely different feeling. And set of imagery in your head about reality than another. And one can put you to sleep and bore you. (laughs) Yeah. And the other wakes you up. I mean, how does that work? Why does that work? One feels a little too much like education. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, you know, God knows who needs that after we get out of high school and college. Well, one Uh, feels like an answer and one feels like a question. And the one that feels like a question feels great. Mm -hmm. But I wonder if that's true for everyone. I wonder if people who are mathematicians uh, or you know, logical people or whatever, find solace in answers and would be more attracted to structured symbols that we know the meanings yeah. of. Um, well, I remember something that Lee told me a long time ago when I uh, described for him my earliest experiences of sending, seeing that spinning white square at the beginning of of an experience, uh, which I saw a lot, a lot of. And, um, you know, I talked to a lot of people about that and uh, – and Lee and I used to have got hours long discussions at the condo about that that very issue about what is it about a spinning perfect square? Uh, what what is that? What does that mean? What is it doing? Um, and uh, this might work somehow into the symbology thing in the sense that our brain, I know, works in uh, in geometric shapes. It works within the confines of geometric shapes. So if you're talking about symbols and their geometric shapes by design, um, is it possible that that's some kind of reprogramming? Did Lee get a download of some kind of information that subconsciously answered his fears or waylaid his interest in this? Um is it speaking more directly in a language that the brain can understand better than language, I guess is the point. You know, I, I wonder about that because I've, I've heard from several people that our brains 
respond and react and and configure better in geometric shapes. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe we it's get a something to do with that. on the show. Maybe that's a new direction to look. Well, I think we were supposed to. You know, we're going to have Colin Andrews back on here soon. If you know, if we can get him, uh, if we can get his schedule, uh, you know, worked out to where he wants to come on and talk about the symbology of crop formations and all that sort of thing. And um, uh, and 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 Colin has seen my symbol, and I think I think we talked on one of the shows after him about that he was sketching something not too dissimilar from my symbol while we were talking. I mean, all of that's... This, Your this symbol does look like a crop formation. Oh, uh, really? Don't you think? I mean, when you think about it, I mean, it could well, won't, easily won't it be, be the Led Zeppelin cover. Won't it, won't it be shocking if it shows up in the field this uh, harvest? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, then we'll all have a good laugh. No, I mean... Um, I don't. I don't know if it looks as much like that to me as it does what I would think a sigil would end up looking like. Hmm. I think it's much more sigilistic. <laughs> uh, crop circle formations. I don't know. I I I see it more sigil like. And and uh, Lee has seen your symbol, right? He has, yeah. He saw it actually when it was fresh. <laughs> Did he mention uh, that it looked like the type of thing that he saw in those symbols? No, I mean, and in fact, I'm I'm pretty sure that my symbol came before he ever went to do that. Um, if I could ever remember the chronological order of things, it'd be amazing. But I, I think that happened. It, well, you know what? Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I think Lee had already exited the field per se uh, before that happened because that was when I was going to give the talk in D.C. That was right before that, and I don't and Lee wasn't uh, Lee wasn't around for that. So, but he did see it. I do remember him him seeing it, um, but I don't remember him ever commenting that that looked familiar or anything like that. No, I I, I actually. As anybody who listens to the show frequently enough will know, I, I contacted uh, Mario Pazzaglini, who did the cryptic writings book that everybody's like dying to get their hands on. He had given me a copy of his book when I met him, and uh, I called him, and he's the one who kind of gave me his take on it. But uh, I, I've not heard anything so far that uh, that's really kind of figured it out for me i I'm, it's still it's still kind of a, a mystery thing to me I, I still don't quite know what it means it's hard to talk about it without actually showing people and i don't want to do that yet but uh there's a reflective quality about it when you say there's a reflective quality in it um what do you mean reflective? In the, well there's a uh, there's a part of a symbol that's reversed in it uh, there's a symbol portrayed one way and then a symbol portrayed another way mm-hmm. and it's re- it's a reversal and um, and, and so I don't know, I, I look at that portion of it and I go, okay, this is kind of where they are and this is where I am. And it does this. It's like, we're on the other side of the mirror. We're the flip side. We're the negative. You're the positive or we're the positive and you're the negative. That sort of, you know, polar opposites. It's got that kind of quality to it, but then there are other elements that don't seem to speak to the rest of it to me. Uh, and so I think, well, that can't be right because that doesn't incorporate all the all of the pieces to it. So I, I don't know. That's why I keep it close to the cuff. I don't release it out into the, the net or into public. I did show it uh, at that conference, but 
surprisingly enough, very few people actually came up and looked at it uh, right on the mirror. I took the mirror with me to the conference, um, covered it in cellophane, which was uh, to be a mistake later on in years when I took it out of storage. And it was covered in mold, which ultimately you know, destroyed the image. I couldn't get the mold off without taking the image off the mirror. So a mirror I, I, image on a mirror. Isn't that fun? Well, and Lee Lee brought that up. He said, I think the fact that it's on a mirror is symbolic in and of itself, you know, despite whatever the symbol may say, it's on a mirror. That's interesting. Uh, that's an interesting point all by itself. Very good. Well, we are running super late with this show, so we should probably <laughs> call it wraps yeah. now. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, before we do that, I would like to say thank you to Lee for coming on the show and look forward to having him back many times uh, for uh, like a guest host spot. Uh, I'm I'm really happy that he was able to come on because – and actually we got a lot more to go over. There was a whole lot of stuff we didn't even get to talk about that we experienced together that uh, I think will be a future episode. But uh, so thank you, Lee, uh, again, yeah, thank you. Many, many, many thanks and, and look forward to having you back. Um, as far as the new direction of the show, I don't know. Do we want to talk about that? Yeah, let's go into it right now. 